Okay. You ready? Better be. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your other host, Bailey. And welcome to a new year, 2023. Happy New Year, baby. Literally. Today's the first, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And we're kicking off the new year with a new THC episode. What more could you ask for? So I think last year, you and I spent this night together. I think we had a girls' slumber party. Oh, we did? Uh-huh. And I think we drank all of our alcohol way too quick. I think we watched Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. And so we tried to walk to yeah. two different liquor stores. You drug me everywhere. <laughs> and it was like raining and misty. <laughs> because I had, I'm like, why would you be closed? I was like, dummy. <laughs> And so then I drunkenly pretended to like break in. Remember, I went through the backyard. To yes, get because the you weren't necessarily in the mood <laughs> to have conversations with your husband. No. So you were trying to be sly and scared the shit. <laughs> What's even crazier is the amount of alcohol we drank for us to run out of alcohol yeah. was an excessive amount. It was so quick. <laughs> and I, I was girls night. And I have been I've been hitting the bottle pretty hard on my Christmas break, my holiday break. Heck yeah. How else are we going to survive this shit? Golly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because normally I'll have my, I'll have like a bottle of wine on a Saturday night. But every night Saturday night during I Christmas mean, break. listen, <laughs> who's working tomorrow? Not me. Right? All the days blend in together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. But that's coming to an end quickly. Yeah. Oh, believe me. So we were just talking about how coming up, we go back to work and eventually the kids go back to school. And it's like, even though it's going to suck getting back into the routine it'll be good for all of us i guess so um oh. you need to speak up a little bit into your microphone oh or maybe i'll just move it closer yeah there you go okay. um yeah so this is and this is something you haven't experienced yet because this is your first you're having mm-hmm. a school child yeah i hate second semester yeah i hate it okay it Why? just drags on forever yeah all the fun stuff happens in the first semester. All the holiday shit. And the first semester mm-hmm. shorter. Mm-hmm. And then you get a break in between. But all the fun stuff happens in first semester. Even just going back to school is exciting. The weather is going to change, which for us is a big deal. Like everything good happens in first semester. Well, great. Second Thanks semester for really bringing me up. Can't just wait. fucking goes on and on. Because you have now we're in the boring part of winter where it's just rainy and everything all the trees are naked yeah you're like this is just gray and depressing and then springtime here is fun but the problem is is once spring hits everyone including me starts to get like spring fever and then you start like (laughs) counting down to like when is summer gonna be here and it's still like months away so shit just drags forever yeah so great you you may feel differently can't wait but that's just how i feel about it (coughs) yeah i feel like second semester there's nothing fun to look forward to you know what i mean I mean, I get it. I see it. But I, the I only fun thing that happens, I guess, is spring break. But we never do anything for spring break because everyone does stuff for spring break. <laughs> right. Like, that's not the time to go to Disneyland. Fuck no. Because that's when everybody's there. <laughs> for sure. So we just stay home and just keep trudging along. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, so our last one was before Christmas, right? Yeah, it was the day before we did our burlesque show. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> listen. Or whatever we want to <laughs> Listen, call. we don't have to go oh, into that. Yeah. That was wild. That is not mm-hmm. what we thought we were signing up for. Yep. But, you know. It was a night. It was mm-hmm. it. It was a night, and it happened. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> and we were there. We were there. And you got a picture. Whether we wanted it to be or not, we were there. Um, But how was, how was Christmas, B? How was the holidays? I mean, my Christmas was 
not anything to rave about because Nick had dental surgery. Yeah. Like two days before Christmas, three days. Couldn't eat solid food. It would hurt anytime he would laugh or smile. So imagine watching your kid open presents and just sitting there (laughs) dead in the face. (laughs) I mean, it kind of sounds like Nick's dream, though. No. He has an excuse not to smile. Yeah, but Violet constantly wanting to talk to him. I know. That's the hard part. Non stop, right? And then him. Both of our five year olds are chatterboxes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so for me, it was like easier to ignore me and not talk to me, but for her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No one wants to talk to you uh-huh. but it did give us the opportunity to watch a ton of shit and mm-hmm. he picked all shit really for me oh that's he nice we wouldn't really be able to enjoy anything anyways <laughs> yeah so after we talk about your christmas and your edition i got a fucking list of reviews for you i have one review and one review only okay um our christmas is great fine fun magical we got a baby kitten which we're very excited about he was only eight weeks old you made those core memories we did uh you know it would be in a box it was really fun so cute it's so funny everyone wants a kitten and now they have a kitten they're very happy about him Mm -hmm. but they're like his claws really hurt and i'm like yeah dude bitch if you could have only seen my hands the other day because I was watching Cece and they've got that fucking golden retriever puppy. Yeah. And all Violet wants is a puppy. I and know. And she ran away screaming from that fucking dog. Like, yeah. mom, keep it away from me. Yeah. Because there's no controlling him. No. Just nonstop mouth constantly open yeah. on you. Doesn't realize how big it is trying yeah. to climb up on you. Trying to sit in your lap, in your chair, on the counter. That's so funny. <laughs> And I was into every minute of it. Yeah. I'm like, let me put my face in your face. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the kitten is very cute, very sweet. Maybe I'll put a picture of him up on you have to. On the Instagram. But um, he's very sharp. Yeah. He's just sharp. That's it. The he's teeth, just a sharp little man. Mm-hmm. All right. Should I hit my list? Uh, yeah, unless you just want to tell him how we both just had boring New Year's. Oh, yeah. That's right. New Year's. <laughs> My New Year's is real boring. I hung out with the kids. We watched a movie. We didn't get to finish the movie because then midnight happened. My house, we banged pots and pans. Did you do a ball drop? Mm-hmm. Which one did you guys watch? Just NBC. But when you say we watched it, we turned it on at 12.57. Yeah. Or whatever, 11.57. So, but here, was it good? Because like when we were tuning in and watching, like there was no music. The performance that we did catch was awful. No, this was like Ryan Seacrest's. Yeah. Okay. So it was just literally the ball dropping and the new edition was there for some reason, weird. all in matching like cobalt blue fur coats. Okay. I heard Miley Cyrus perform with like Dolly Parton. So she had her own special. Okay. I was like, where the fuck was that? I don't know. Yeah. But Miley wasn't on my channels. This is her second year having her own special. The one before. Uh, last year was with Pete Davidson. Of course. And so this year is her and Dolly, because in case you didn't know, Dolly's her, her godmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's her new thing is she has her own and New Year special. And she's to be Dolly like in a bio. I hope so. Something. She's yeah. got the pipes for uh-huh. it. She's got the accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the big performance on Miley's though? Mm-mm. Your girl came out and sang, uh, did a duet, did s- the stars are blind. Oh my girl, I love it. I love Paris it so came much. out. It sounded like karaoke. Oh, uh, Duh. <laughs> Hasn't it always? 
even when it, it came wild. out professionally. Didn't I know. It? And so then Miley has to like also sound like that because she can't really sing if no. Paris is just doing Paris. Right. Oh but it was super cute. Everyone was wearing sparkly dresses and See, legs out. I that's what I was looking for. So next year you need to find Miley's. I do. Yeah, because we Miley's watched, Rockin' Eve. We watched someone's live feed right in front of the castle at Disney World because they did. They played like pop music. Oh, okay. And they had a fucking killer fireworks show. Disney has a fireworks show, show usually every night. So their New Year's Eve one's going to be even oh, bigger like and better. The sky you couldn't see because of all the smoke yeah. from the fireworks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they had like the characters in the castle leading up to it. They're all talking with like, their excitement. Like mm -hmm. it's coming. Yeah, it's and so then the whole fucking castle just lit up with lasers and lights. And so my and favorite highlight of both Disney trips that I've gone to with my kids personally has actually been so every night at the parks they do a light and like fireworks but also like fire fire and water and smoke um it's before the park closes okay. and you have to get tickets to it oh because they have sectioned off seating so nick asked because we're watching these fucking oceans of people and mm -hmm. he's like what time do you think the person in the front had to get there. I can't give you that information because it's not by rows, but it's yeah. by sections. Mm -hmm. So you get your ticket, okay, your reservation, your whatever, and it'll just be like you're in the orange section. Got it. Okay. And so then whatever time you want to get there to be in the front row of your section is yeah. up to you. But they, um, they start roping it off probably... Yeah, like an hour or two before it's like set to start. We just assumed it was like when you're on a cruise ship and you got to get there at like eight o'clock in the morning to rope off your. No, that's more like for the parades. Okay. You have to if you want like a curbside seat for the parades, they'll show you the schedule. You can ask anybody when because the parades happen multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. You're like, OK, three o'clock parade. We got to get there. at. Let's get there at one thirty two o'clock and just wait it out. Sit at the stair. Sit on the curb. Someone maybe goes get food. Gets a snack. Mm -hmm. Brings it. So you have a good bathroom break. Normally, though, it is Disney and most adults are pretty cool. So a lot of times what's happened is we wouldn't realize there was a parade happening until it starts. And usually people will scooch over to make room for small kids. Okay. So we would like send the small kids up oh, and right. Lou and I are like, Who fuck cares? it. As long as we can know where our children are, yeah. we don't give a fuck if Tinkerbell waves yeah. to us from the float. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, their shows are spectacular. It's the highlight of every trip that I've yeah. ever gone to. And yeah, you get tickets for it. Okay. Well, there you go. You don't have to fight somebody over it, you know? Well, Disappointing. And they do not let you they they rope off every like section that you could watch the show from because we've tried to like budge in before nope. and they're like, nope, get out of here. Wow. Yeah. OK, there you go. Learn. Something. There's your Disney tip, guys. Love it. So, yeah, that's what we did. And it was different. Yeah. From what we've done before. And Violet loved it. Fantastic. And you probably got to do it at nine. Yes. Love it. Yeah. And then she slept till fucking nine. And I'm like, magic. Pure magic. <laughs> it's a New Year's Eve miracle. <laughs> All right. Hit me with your reviews. Oh, man. Okay. So let's start with a throwback. I decided to not only listen to like our holiday episodes. Wow. It made me remember the, the Christmas present you gave me. Yes. This uh, year? No. The gift of my new... Christmas classic Silent Night. Oh, of course. The mm -hmm. gift that keeps on giving. So that was episode 24. I re-watched re it and it holds up. It's still our phenomenal. Christmas, our, our Christmas episode was episode 24? That's the 
first one. I know, but that's so fun because 24, Christmas Eve, 24. Oh, yeah. And because we went all out. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably recorded it like Christmas because you were like right next door. And yeah. It was COVID and everything. And that's when we did the. No, I remember. Uh-huh, it's my all time favorite bees look of the week. Recently. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then the following year was garbage. It I, was? The following year because everyone got COVID. Oh. And Stella died. Oh. And that's why you and I had a girls' night. And yeah, we got instead. fucked up. Yeah. And wandered the streets looking yeah. for alcohol and then just broke into my own Perfect. House. Yeah. A year to be remembered. So we did the Iceman as a New Year's. We yes. didn't do. Um, was that your phone that made that click? Yeah. As long sorry. as it was. As, no, as long as it wasn't something mm-hmm. of our uh, podcasting equipment. No, nope. nope. please pause. Back on. All right. Then I was just bored. And I think I was wrapping presents. And so I found Lake Alice. Ooh. And it was described as a Christmas horror. The killer looked super cool on the cover. Garbage. Yeah. Right. Total spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I did like is it's the mom that you assume is dead early on in the beginning who comes back at the end and saves her daughter. There you go. So I was like, that's rare in mm-hmm. a horror movie, right? You can have like the surviving chick or whatever, but for the mom to come back and like, you know, out of nowhere, that was fun. Um, We binge watch Wednesday. You and I talked about that. Mm-hmm. How amazing it is that they could like hit such a broad audience. Yeah. Right. Like 40 year old men and like 14 year old girls. Mm hmm. Right? Crazy. I think part of it's because it is the Adams Family. Okay. Like, I don't think if you would have made Wednesday, like, if Adams Family didn't exist and they just made Wednesday, Mm -hmm. I don't think you would be getting the older audience tied in. But Mm -hmm. it's something that every generation's grown up with. Okay. Well, that's a good point. Um, And going along with that, I decided to rewatch Gremlins. Oh, yeah. We watched Gremlins. Did you? It's one of my husband's favorite Christmas movies. Did you watch it with any of the kids? We've so the kids have always grown up watching Gremlins because Lou loves Gremlins. Well, that's why I wanted to watch it. But my kids have never sat down from beginning to end. Okay, they'll either come in while we're already watching it Mm -hmm. or they'll start watching it and wander away. But yeah, they've grown up seeing Gremlins a lot. So that's why I watched it because I was like, this has got to be appropriate for Violet. Yeah. Like, nope. Fuck no. Yeah. Like, hell no. The dad dying in the chimney. I was like, I did not remember that at all. You know, what's crazy is we so we did the movie we watched on New Year's Eve is called Wendell and Wild. Have you heard of that one? No. Wendell and Wild is Jordan Peele's answer to Tim Burton. Oh, because obviously Tim Burton, creative genius, has made some of the best movies of all time, let alone the best claymation of all time. Right. But he never has people of color in his movies. Right. It's always skinny white people. Mm-hmm. Um. So Jordan Peele answered with Wendell and Wilde. Okay. It has an all star voice cast. It's 100 percent claymation and obviously a super diverse. Sorry, I keep hitting my mic stand. So I don't know if that's going to if y'all hear that or not. Um. And it was great. Really creative. Yeah, I'm sure. Kind of gross, you know, which is fun for kids' movies. Yeah. Funny, entertaining. The kids loved the um, main girl, Kat. She's this really cool, like, alt girl. 
great. It was all around great. But um, it starts with, and this isn't a spoiler because it's the first 60 seconds of the movie. It starts with Kat's parents dying when she's young. They get okay. into a car accident. They Fucking go Disney movie. Yeah, they, they get into a car accident. They go over the side of a bridge and Kat's mom gets her out of the car and tells her to swim. And then her parents die in the, okay. in the car and Kat mm-hmm. watches it. So anyways, we're watching this and Zoe's like not into it, not into it. And then finally Zoe comes up to me and she goes, all the movies that you want us to watch, the parents die. And it really scares me. She's like, I do not like it. And I get, I'm really scared when the parents die. I'm like, that's fucking true. Cause every Disney movie, kids movie, Pixar movie. I've been calling this shit out for so long. Parents die all the in every movie. Mm -hmm. And she's like, every movie you want us to watch, the parents die. (laughs) I'm like, that's true. Yeah. And I'm so sorry. I'm like, but now guess what? They're dead. And now we're watching the rest of the movie. I know. That's why Nick is so adamant. Like when we start certain movies where he knows it's going to like stir up a lot of emotions, he's like, you have to watch the end. Because mm-hmm. if you tap out halfway, it's going to leave so many feelings unresolved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to get through it. He's like, I'm sure by the end of it, you will understand. Oh, my Lord. Why they went this route. But it was so funny. I was so proud of her for like articulating that. Yeah. Oh, like, that's a good point. That's sweet. Yeah. All right. Anyways, I didn't get to watch the end of Wendell and Wild because New Year's happened. But, um, you know, yeah, pretty well, good for the first two thirds of it. I'm excited. Okay. Um. Well, then I'll give you my nope review. Oh, perfect timing. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it. So I'm not going to ruin it. I'm going to. So of all the movies we watched, this one was probably the hardest for Nick mm. because it's written so well. He kept smirking and like wanting to laugh or yeah, like yeah. comment. So that right there. A, a, gl- a glowing review. But as we've talked about many, many times, once you see the thing, you're it like, kills it. Fuck. It's better when you don't see it. Had you just not taken it there, mm. it would have been a lot better. But the acting. I mean, all star cast. I love the actors. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely worth the watch. But just don't be surprised. You're going to. All right. It's it's a real high low. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. What is a five plus violent night? Oh, yeah. I've heard that. Everything I could have asked for. Yeah. In a Christmas movie without even being like a scary movie. It's not a horror movie. No, it's like an action-y movie. It gives you Christmas feels. There's Home Alone references. Yeah. Just it's filmed really well it's got my boy hopper in it he's such a good fucking santa he's such a good everything he's he's like the perfect mix of like a bad santa who also wants it's like a tim allen santa and like a billy bob santa yeah yeah (laughs) it's so in between Uh yeah that's how you can tell i'm getting old or i don't know i don't know about my taste in men or whatever but you watch stranger things and i don't care Hopper's the only thing attractive to me on the screen. Yeah. I'm like, those little scrawny teenage kids, get out of here. The Hellfire Club guy, no. Well, give me that. The whole time. Give like, me. Right, get it, Winona. Detective get Hopper. It. G- give me Sheriff get Hopper. It, mm-hmm. So incredible. Um, Just in case anyone was wondering, the newest Jeepers Creeper. Oh, I didn't even know they made a new one. 
Texas Jeeper Creepers 4? I don't even remember what it was called. Is it a remake or is it a sequel? <sighs> okay. A sequel? It's, right. it's Jeepers Creepers. I mean, so we know it's hot garbage, right? Mm-hmm. It's Jeepers Creepers. But what I'll say is it gives you original movie vibes. Okay. The very beginning, you're like, dude, this is the very beginning of the first movie. You just, you get the same feeling, the same everything. I also really liked where they were trying to go with the story Mm -hmm. because it's basically like the town is trying to keep themselves alive by kind of feeding this thing sacrifices. Like they figured out its rhythm, like when it's going to wake up Mm -hmm. and when it's going to be hungry. So they throw a horror fest Mm. and they lure in all these like yeah. comic-con horror people and mm-hmm. it's just this whole thing because they Moth- basically just like walk around yeah very mothman and so that's just it there he basically is mothman like yeah, when but they, like a devious one because he flies around yeah and swoops people up yeah and again they show too much of him so it's just cheesy yeah like if you gave me like flashing images of him or you only see like the shadowy thing in the car that's driving really fast behind you mm-hmm. so much better. But then you see this like veiny, <laughs> slimy alien moth thing, like licking a brain. And you're yeah. like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? That's so funny. But yeah. So it was. It was funny. It is what it is. <clears throat> Our New Year's Eve movie, once we put the nugget to bed, was My Best Friend's Exorcism. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor and just watch the trailer on YouTube because then you're just going to get all the best parts. All the best parts. And just don't waste an hour and a half of your oh, time. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Is it supposed to be funny? You'd think. With that title, I'm picturing it funny. And it's set in the 80s. Yeah. Costumes are great. It's very, like, religious- yeah versus exorcism yeah they had a lot of like they they had a lot of hope had a lot of potential and they just they dragged it out so it's like why does this movie have to be an hour and a half Mm -hmm. just cut the fat better okay go ahead okay so yeah do yourself a favor watch the trailer on youtube you're gonna get the best parts Mm -hmm. it did have some very comical moments you know what i think would have been funny Hmm. is if they had all of those good points of potential start off hard in the middle of the exorcism like conjuring three does Mm -hmm. and then have it like circle back pan to her best friend and be like i'm so-and-so this is my best friend emily you're probably wondering how we got here you know there actually kind of is a movie like that i don't i think i watched it during thanksgiving break but it's like a teeny movie i don't think i cared to mention it I think it's on Netflix and it's high school and a young girl's mom dies in like a freak accident. Mm -hmm. And then ever since then, she almost died with her mom. She could see dead people. Oh, fun. So she kind of alienates herself in high school and she loses her best friend and her best friend goes on to be the most popular girl in school. Of course. And then she dies in a freak accident. Oh. And then she needs her best friend who mm-hmm. can see her because she's dead to help her cross over or whatever. Oh. It's cute. But she's very much talking in that. This is my best friend. Yeah. And this is what happened. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, okay. And then the biggest disappointment of all. <gasps> oh, okay. The mean one. Oh, well, I, no, I could no. have seen that coming. I didn't get to watch it. That's the disappointment. Oh, they promoted it on YouTube. Saying 
that it was going to go to stream as like a present for all horror fans from like December 15th to December 24th. Mm-hmm. And then they would do whatever with it. Those motherfuckers sold out for cash and they went to limited theater. Oh. We couldn't have even gone to see it anywhere near us. Not even Sacramento. Hear me out. Maybe they pulled the grinchiest move of all time. I guess. That's a fucking, what's a, that's a troll move. Yeah. Right? They grinched you. Listen to this shit. If we even wanted to try to go see this fucking movie. Hold on. Fresno. <laughs> Fresno. Long Beach. Oh, my Lord. Southgate and West Covina. I literally, I'm assuming those are all in SoCal. I don't even know where <laughs> Westgate fuck? is. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's so far away from us. That's so I'm I'm bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking bitter that you're gonna go out there and be all like, we made a Grinch horror movie and it's a direct response to horror fans and it's everything you want and we're gonna stream it because we appreciate you and then uh uh Yeah. Meh. They grinched us. They did. So there you go. <clears throat> My only review is actually on something I'm reading. Oh, you're reading? Yeah. Wow, how dare you? <laughs> I am reading for the first time in my life a fan fiction. I've never Ooh. read fan fiction before. I don't even know what fan fiction is. So um, usually based on either popular books, movies, TV shows, people will then write their own spin on things. For instance, you know what the most famous fan fiction of all time is? Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh. So Fifty Shades of Grey started off as a fan fiction of Twilight. And it's... Whoa. You didn't know that? No. So now you're going to have to reread Fifty Shades of Grey. Tell me what you think. So Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, I need to take a beat. That's crazy. So whoever, what's her name? E E something James. Whoever wrote yeah. Fifty Shades. It's Edward and Bella if they were in a grown-up sexual relationship. Wow. And then you'll start seeing the ties. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember any of their names, but the girl is basically Bella reincarnate. Fucking Mr. Don't Touch Me is the guy with the weird twisted secret past and the bronze hair and the billions of dollars and the family's all mad. Yeah, it's cool. It's Twilight <laughs> fan fiction that took off and she got a publishing deal out of it. Okay. The fan fiction is usually to be read for free online through various websites and anybody could write it. You could write a fan fiction right now about um, <coughs> Michael and Jason falling in love oh. and having a whole horror movie romance. You could write that fan fiction Put it on these websites and someone will read it for sure. Yeah, someone will read it. So anyways, my first time reading fan fiction and of course I got it from TikTok. It's called All the Young Dudes. I'm obsessed with it. I know I'm late to the game. If you guys know anything about Harry Potter and Harry Potter fan fiction, I'm very late to the game. But it's been sweeping the internet. It's a viral, huge success. And what it is, you're going to have to really think about Harry Potter now, B. (laughs) I'll do my Just best. pull what you know from Harry Potter. I got you. This is a fan fiction about Harry's dad's time in school. So the Marauders, the ones. So his parents that are dead. The one yes. that we get like flashback. So James Potter, Sirius Black, who uh-huh. remember his godfather. They went to school together. Remus Lupin, remember the werewolf teacher. Yes. And Peter Pettigrew, the Ron's pet rat that ended up being Voldemort's right hand man. Yes. So those four were best friends. They're the ones who made the Marauders map that Fred and George yes. give to Harry. They're the original Marauders. So it's their time at Hogwarts, which is great because it starts from the first day when you they all meet each other and it goes all the way through 
the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, which is basically the story of what happened to them all as adults, right? That's when we meet Lupin. That's when we meet Sirius Black. That's when we find out about their weird old, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, with Snape feud that Peter Pettigrew's the rat, whatever. But here's the twist. So now already it's very immersive because we're talking about 1970s England because Harry Potter takes place in the early 90s, which I always thought was really funny that I would have loved to have seen the movies with them dressed as 90s kids because the last book takes place in like 97. Anyways, the point is this is 70s. It's England. It's great. You already know all about Hogwarts and all that. So you don't have to try very hard to imagine everything like. But here's the twist. Two of the main characters, Remus Lupin, who ends up being the werewolf and Sirius Black, who ends up being Harry's godfather that breaks out of Azkaban. Mm-hmm end up like falling in love in this. They have like a gay relationship and it's great because up until uh, like book God six, I think seven, you never hear about either one of them ever having a girlfriend, a wife, a spouse. So I don't know. It's like a fun twist. It's very well written. It's super well written. Yeah. That's all you need. And I'm very excited that it goes through to the prisoner of Azkaban because that means that we're also going to get Harry's parents like falling in love and getting married. Mm -hmm. You're going to get all that stuff. You're going to get their deaths. You're going to get a serious black being framed and going to Azkaban. You're going to get them all being adults and seeing Harry for the first time 11 years later, their best friend's son that looks just like it's going to be fantastic. It's already fantastic. I'm halfway through the first book. But this is such a long fan fiction. It's the length in total of half the Harry Potter books. Wow. That's a long fucking fan fiction. It is. And this lady just wrote a great fan fiction and then just disappeared, by the way. No one knows who she is, where she is. Yeah. Because it's all under like a... Like a, a yeah, like a name. Mm -hmm. I think it's Miss Bean 89 is her name. Crazy. So no one even knows who it is. Some lady wrote the greatest fan fiction of all time and just disappeared. Incredible. So there you go. That's my big glowing review. So far, five stars. But, yeah. you know, I'm only in like year three of their stay at Hogwarts. But yeah, you'll get the war with Voldemort. You'll get it all. How fun for you. Yeah. It's like reliving your whole thing over again. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. In a much more... Um, adult. Adult. First of all, they get to they curse, which oh. is super fun. Yeah. She gets to really write them as like shitty teenagers. Oh, fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm hoping that maybe they'll like they'll be more than just kissing because at some uh-huh. point they become adults. Obvious. They fall in love and have a baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm high hopes. Oh, my God. Harry Potter porn. Yeah. You I mean, I don't know about there. that. I, I don't know I, if I'd be into Harry Potter porn. I know. I'm just taking But it these to- people, maybe mm-hmm. these characters, because mm-hmm. I don't have the same weird emotional attachment to them. Yeah. <laughs> But it's great because J.K. Rowling, um, although she wrote one of the greatest book series of all time, is, is a great. very open homophobe and transphobe. What so the, the fact fuck, that man. they wrote such a queer friendly book incredible, is a real, yeah. I'm sure, knife to her side. And did that come out before all of her coming out? No, this came out after. Okay. This has been out for a couple years. Okay. But um, it was known before about yeah. her homophobe. Okay. That's probably, I'm assuming, one of the things because there's like other fan too. fictions about this time about Harry's parents mm-hmm. and their time at Hogwarts. There's but plenty of fan fictions, but this one, especially having a queer relationship in it and all of that is what really like took it off. Yeah. So of course, as it should, 
What a time. Absolutely. Keep you guys updated. And has there been any response from... Oh, I'm sure not. Yeah. Because why should they bother? Mm -hmm. I'm sure not, but... Okay. Good times. Wow. Okay. Shall we? Because this isn't just some minor (laughs) fucking case that we're doing. I know. And it's... Well, it's only 40 minutes into it. Yeah, but still. Oh. <clears throat> Welcome to the final episode, really, of our Conjuring Christmas series, although yeah. this one will not be on The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. If you guys went to our THC podcast Instagram, you would have seen my clues about this week's case. The pineapple thing was news to me. Well, I can't wait to talk about it with you. The fact that people are like, pineapple, and I'm like, really? That That's what gave it away? So, first of all... If you want to play our THC drinking game at home, take a drink of whatever you're drinking, even if it's your morning coffee. Anytime we spill a drink, we mention a badass big sister, an old THC episode. If we cheers, if you hear the train, which one am I missing? Or if we mention Monk. <gasps> I almost so forgot long. Monk. And I have Monk no update. Book. This is a big enough case that it made the monk notebook. The conjuring episodes, not worthy of the monk. No, no. This is a legit. So far, the only things we have in our monk notebook is I don't even know what the first one is. Is Charles Manson. Mm. And then we have BTK. Yeah. And now we have. These are legit. John Benet Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Tonight's episode. Um, In a perfect world, we would have recorded this right around Christmas because obviously that's when all of this happened. But it's not a perfect world and nobody has the time for that. So, you know, it's still pretty close. I have this date, January 1st, somewhere in my notes. Fantastic. What more do you need? (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's get into it. This is episode 83. What movie did you watch, B? Perfect Town, Perfect Murder, I think. We'll confirm when I pick up my notes. Is it a Lifetime movie? I believe it is. It's fucking three hours and change. (laughs) You're all movie or miniseries? What are we doing here? (laughs) Swear to God. All right. I got So first of all, I've been living, breathing, eating John Benet Ramsey for about at least a week and a half. Maybe two weeks. And I watched my movie over Thanksgiving (sighs) break. Yeah. We're opposite. I listened to one and a half podcasts about it, but these were po- like serial podcasts about it. Multiple episodes oh, about the case. So I watched a three hour change movie and you had to listen yeah. to three hour change podcasts. So the first one I started watching is called The Killing of John Bernay Ramsey. This one is very, very pro intruder theory mm. to the point where I got some good stuff out of it. It was good to hear from John Ramsey, who is heavily featured on the podcast, as well as his oldest son, John Ramsey. They. It was interesting. Okay. It got so biased to the point where I stopped listening to it, to be Mm -hmm. quite honest. Um, The main detective that the Ramseys hired Mm -hmm. Lou something, Lou Smith, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He was a retired detective who had found like detective fame solving some murder of some other little girl in a case that from my understanding was fairly cut and dry and like easy to solve. But he got like a lot of acclaim for it. The Ramseys hired him. He was not part of the investigation team. He was part of the Ramseys defense team. And his point of view, I think, is biased in a lot of ways. One, he was paid by this family. Mm -hmm. 
two, I think he was looking for another big solve to mm-hmm. make some headlines. A lot of his so-called evidence when I was listening to this podcast and then I was like putting it up against what people were like saying and the and the evidence and blah, 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 blah. A lot of his evidence has been not like, mm, like not, not officiated, not, it's not substantial, confirmed. not confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like him kind of going off the point of view of like an older man mm-hmm. and really in the corner of a <clears throat> good, like white, religious, rich family. Like yeah. these people could never do something like this. Only a monster could do something like this. Look at them. They are incapable of doing this. And that's not something that's I not going agree into with. It. Yeah. That with an even. So mind. whether he's uh-huh. right, wrong or in between, I listened to half the podcast and then okay. I stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I found another podcast which was a little bit less biased, and it was called A Normal Family, the John Bonet Ramsey case. I like this one much more. They brought a lot more of unbiased evidence. They brought you every suspect, although the people making the podcast do lean heavily on one suspect that mm-hmm. they really think is the perpetrator. And it's the person that I actually agree with them on. I was going to say, do we discuss <clears throat> what we think before or after? I'll do. I'll go after. OK. Um, but I do agree with that podcast's assessment. However, they do bring you every possible suspect which is a lot Mm -hmm. yeah so that was good and it was really well done great podcast and then oracle from rolling stone real quick so the people doing the podcast what are their credentials or whatever are they i have no idea they're just doing podcasts um but yeah an article in the rolling stone an article from crime museum and then just in general being a true crime fan i mean i've watched nothing ton of John Bonet shit. Besides knowing that a little girl died and that her family was sus as fuck, I knew nothing. I I mean, I even remember it happening back in 97. I remember... How do you remember 97? Because I remember <laughs> the liquor store up the street from my mom's house. Yeah. That's where my bus stop was for when we were in middle school. Mm-hmm. And so everyone who got off at that bus stop, we'd go to that liquor store to get candy, yeah, chips, yeah, yeah. whatever. For sure. And I still remember the owner's name was Al. I still remember... Buying my stuff from Al and seeing every single tabloid have John Bonet's picture on it. That's yeah. what I remember. Mm-hmm. And I remember people always saying that, like, the family was suspicious, this, that, and the other. That's it. That's all I knew. And then mm-hmm. I saw a few years ago, I think 2016, one of the big channels, whether it's NBC, CBS, one of these right. guys the did like a docu-series where they brought in their own investigators and blah, 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 blah. God. They made a case for Burke, which at the time they really sold me on it. But now since listening to this podcast, I've changed my mind. Girl, I was right there with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, let's get into it, shall we? Fun. This is something I didn't know until I literally looked it up on the Crime Museum um, article to get all my dates and stuff. But fucking God damn it. So the obviously John Benet Ramsey, her her dad's name is John Bennett Ramsey. Shut the fuck. I knew John Ramsey. I didn't know Bennett. John Bennett Ramsey. So she's Jean Bennett. Jean Bennett Ramsey. Because he needed another boy. You I don't think son, I don't bro. think it was him. This screams Patsy. Okay. I don't think John cares that much. Okay. I think Patsy cares much like, more about everything than John does. Burke's older. Like just name him 
well, John he Jr. already had uh, he already has a John Jr. His oldest son is John See, Jr. And I know nothing about John. Well, Jr. let me tell you about no, it. Okay. <laughs> John Bennett Ramsey. Um, I, I think he's he, he, he was in the Navy. He, yeah, yeah, whatever. whatever. He ends up be- becoming the president and CEO of a company called Axis Graphics, which is a super successful company. I don't know what they do. He's very successful. He wins a ton of business awards. and He's named Entrepreneur of the Year and great for John. He divorces his first wife in 1978. Okay. They had three kids together. The oldest, the oldest, which is John. Wow. <clears throat> but they divorce. I didn't hear anything particularly bad coming out of that divorce. Okay. Who knows? Um, and then he eventually remarries a woman named Patricia, Patricia, a.k.a. Patsy, in 1980. So Patsy, of course, is a former beauty queen. She at one point was Miss West Virginia, where she is from. Um, her mother raised her to be a good Southern belle kind of like looks and presentation are everything oh, yeah. they she, go to a certain school yeah so she um did go to college but she didn't finish she ends up meeting john who's 13 years older than her okay. and she is very happy in her very traditional southern re- christian ways mm-hmm. to settle down be a homemaker be the perfect wife to john and the perfect mother to the two kids they end up having Burke Ramsey, who this is very interesting. This is very close to your birthday, except for the year. January 27th, 1987 okay. is Burke's birthday. All right. And obviously, Jean Benet Ramsey, um, who was born August 6th, 1990. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, John was hugely successful. I mean, he's a millionaire. Um, he travels all the time for work. Mm-hmm. He's never home. Okay. Um, obviously his three kids from his previous marriage were grown and out of the house. Uh, this is just like him, Patsy, Jean Benet, Burke living in their Boulder, Colorado mansion. Mm-hmm. Besides traveling, he is grieving the loss of his 22 year old daughter. She died in 1992 in a Dang. car accident. So the whole family's grieving. The fact that she died in 92, but he married Patsy in 1980 means that they probably were all close. Like, I'm yeah, sure she knew Patsy's a stepmom. Of course. I, I don't know. They don't talk about it, but I would assume that they were yeah. in each other's lives. Patsy, of course, the perfect mother. Mm. She has the perfect family. She has the perfect kids. She has the perfect home. John loves that she is, quote, happy all the time. She's never sad. She's never down. She's never angry. She's never annoyed. Wow. She is happy, 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 happy all the time. Whatever which she's on. We know probably isn't the healthiest. Yeah. Also, it's been noted by outsiders that they never really see affection between John and Patsy. They don't have mm. a playful relationship. They don't have an affectionate relationship. Okay. But John, every time that he... I mean, he could be the world's best actor. But every time he speaks about Patsy, even Glowing. to this day... It's glowing reviews of Patsy. Mm-hmm. He cared for her very, very much. Now, Patsy ends up putting Jean Bonnet in pageants. Jean Bonnet, of course, is beautiful. She's yeah. a really pretty, cute, blonde, blue eyed little girl. Um, pretty outgoing, it sounds right. like. And John and Patsy swear, even years after Jean Bonnet's death, that the pageants were just for fun. 
It was just something fun to do for Patsy and Jean Benet. Had nothing to do with mom's background in it. Yeah. However, other people have reported over the years that Patsy was a pageant mom, like a stage mom, like a dance mom's mom. Yep. And she's kind of like that, like I said, about all aspects of their life. Yeah. Everything has to be on display, perfect for everybody. Well, to maintain that happiness... Yeah, you've got to have perfection. She even loves to show off like tours of their home, mm. especially around Christmas because it'll be decorated for Christmas. And you know what else it's decorated with? Um, Patsy's old pageant dresses and crowns. She'll take you on a lovely tour of their home. Look what I used to fit in. Yeah, show yeah. off her perfect kids and her. Yeah, it's wow. a little wild. I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like besides just. If you were her kid? No. If someone's walking me around their house showing me their pageant. Oh, it's not just like. So they open it to the public. But she would do like. There's like videos of her doing tours with like. Maybe not the news. But um, maybe like. Remember we grew up with Bay Area Backroads. That show on like Channel 9. Like maybe like local television people. Morning shows. Very like local Boulder stuff, but she had like TV crews okay. looking at her house. Again, needing that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. But it was just for fun. It was for fun. Oh my God. She loved when her and Jean Bonnet would match. She would dress them alike a lot. And she very clearly wanted Jean Bonnet to be a mini Patsy. She wanted Jean Bonnet to be just like her and all of her Southern charm and all of her. Southern Belle pageant homemaker Christian bullshit. That's what she was on. To the point where people have thrown around the theory of um, enmeshment. Never heard of it. You're a child psychology major, B. (laughs) (laughs) Never heard of it. What was that? Magnum cum laude? Is that what you graduated? (laughs) Enmeshment. Enmeshment is basically when a parent. It can happen with any relationships, but it happens most often with. Kids, kids, and, and parents. The parents basically see them as an extension of themselves. Okay. So they expect that kid to act just like they would act. Okay. That's where you get a lot of these like stage moms or whatever, because it's like, how could you not be? I could never be a gold medal figure skater, but you could be if you just worked hard enough. You have the talent. It's like, yeah. no, mom, I want to be a fucking rock singer or of whatever. Course. And you're like, yeah, a meshment. Okay. So you are very heavily invested in what. Your kids are doing because it's not just a reflection of you. It is you. Yeah. So I think this becomes a problem because when I was listening to that first podcast and I was listening to the interview with John's oldest son, John, John was a teenager when Burke and John Bonet were kids. So they weren't like super close. Right. But he remembers, first of all, he remembers Burke kind of just being your average boy and like hanging out with other boys in the neighborhood. And he remembers specifically Jean Bonnet. He describes her as a tomboy. Which is so crazy. He describes her as being one of the boys. She was always running around with a pack of boys, doing whatever they were doing and keeping up no problem. So I don't know if that was a problem with Patsy, but I could see it potentially being a problem for her. Right. Because that's not her Southern charm. The other problem that she was probably having with Jean Bonnet was Jean Bonnet had regressed in toilet training. Mm. 
she had started having, I mean, obviously she was fully potty trained. She was six years old, but she started having um, accidents and like wetting her pants, wetting her bed. Mm -hmm. It was happening uh, quite frequently. Mm -hmm. So all of this is leading up to December 26th, 1996. Patsy and John get up early. Patsy actually gets up before him to go start the coffee. They're waking up extra early because they're actually set to leave on vacation. Oh, okay. Later that day. So she gets up. She goes to head downstairs to their home and finds a note on the stairs claiming to be from these kidnappers Mm -hmm. that they've kidnapped her daughter, John Bonet. And then it has like... A list of demands. Yeah. This is a two and a half page note, making it the longest ransom note in U.S. history. Oh, my goodness. Usually ransom notes are kind of short to the point. Mm -hmm. So Patsy, of course, first thing she does, she heads upstairs to look for Jean Benet. There's no sign of Jean Benet in her room. No obvious signs of Jean. Do you not go look for fucking Burke, too, while you're at it? I have no idea. I know. She goes and gets John and hands John the note and John reads it. And now I'm going to read you the note. Have you ever seen the note in I have full? Not. I have not. I'm going to read you the whole two and a half pages. I can't wait. It says, and it's it's specifically to John Ramsey. It's Correct. not to the parents. I do know that. Mm-hmm. It says, mm-hmm. Mr. Ramsey, yep. listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want to see, if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate sized attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you do not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement, countermeasures, and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions, and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. S-B-T-C. So bizarre. What are your first thoughts about that note? It's really overly detailed. Mm Mm-hmm. The verbiage 
Mm. It's fancy. Yes. And almost like something out of a movie. Like the way they're talking sounds like how movie bad guys talk. Mm -hmm. It sounds like something from the Mel Gibson movie Ransom. It sounds like um, our favorite Keanu Reeves speed. Right. I think don't get don't have a brain. Don't get a brain. John is literally from speed. Right. No, it's very. I don't like it's so overly personal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things to that stick out the hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. What a specific number. That was the amount of John um Ramsey's Christmas bonus. Mm-hmm. Right, because like why not ask for a hundred and twenty? 150, 200,000. You're dealing with millionaires. Why not ask for a million dollars? And then to break it down into, what did you say, $100 bills and 20s? Like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Who cares what it's broken down into? To sit there and like kind of mother hen it, like make sure you get rest. Make sure you do this. Bring a proper sized attache case. Like, why do you care what he brings? Yeah. You know, the $118,000 being the amount of his Christmas bonus is wild. Yeah. So if it is an intruder, it's obviously somebody that is close enough to him to know what his Christmas bonus was. And then in the movie, I'm just going to throw it out here now because we're talking about it. They do mention how it's odd that they reference his Southern charm. Oh, yeah. But it's her that's Southern Patsy, not him. Yeah, but it is very odd wording. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't remember where he's... Did they say where he was born from? How do we know he's not Southern? In the movie, they said it. I'll, my phone just fell a thousand yards beneath our chair. So I can't get to it right now. But mm-hmm. um, that might be a follow-up. Because I did just skim past where he was born. I'm yeah. like, ah, who cares? No, the in the movie, they're like, it's interesting. Cause Cause she's I, no, th- I think he's southern from the South, belt. too. Because they're not from... He's not... I don't think he's from Boulder. Okay. Because when John Bonet and Burke are born, I think they're technically born in Georgia. Oh. And well, they moved to Boulder. Well, So he might be Southern. Anyways, John reads that note. (laughs) And first of all, right off the bat, we're breaking what the note says to do. We're calling 911. Yeah. We're getting the police involved, Mm -hmm. um, which I do not hold against them for a second. The police department, police get there around 5.50 a.m. There's obviously no sign of Jean Benet. Or any sign of forced entry, for that matter. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing that leads Odd. them to think mm-hmm. that somebody broke in, kidnapped a six-year-old, and left the house. So, therefore, they don't secure the scene because they kind of don't know what's going on. They're going with kidnapping. No scene is secured besides Jean-Benet's room. They do corner that room off. Meanwhile, the Ramses are calling up their friends to come over. So now we have outsiders on the scene who are actively tampering with the scene. Like if, if maybe not me, like if I was, if this was happening to me and I was hysterical, you'd be right next to me. But if it was like somebody who you were neighbors with less friends with, well, no, what I'm saying is if you come over to help, what are you going to do? What's your act of service? You're going to start cleaning up. You're going to start helping out. You're going to. So that's what they have happening. Neighbors are coming over and they're like cleaning the kitchen and shit because. What do you do? They're trying to be helpful. They're trying to be useful. You know, only so many people can pat Patsy's back at the same time. Right. So people are trying to like actively help, which is actively ruining a crime scene. I know. Meanwhile, they leave Burke asleep this whole time. 
so crazy. They don't wake Burke up until after 7 a.m. Yeah. And when they do wake him up, they don't give the police a chance to question him. And they whisk him right off to like a neighbor's Mm -hmm. house, a family friend's house. No one's talking to Burke. Yeah. Which is wild to me. If I got one kid missing, I'm going after my other kid. That's why I'm like, literally, you see this note and you run in and you check one room. I'm sure they knew that he was there and asleep. But the fact that Mm -hmm. the first thing I'm doing is waking up. Did you hear anything? Do you know where she is? to be with us. Yeah. That's so crazy. Although I will say my 10-year-old son would be zero help because he will sleep through a hurricane and not hear a thing. Doesn't matter. You're still going to wake up and ask. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Patsy is hysterical mm-hmm. all morning, unconsolable, like collapsing in hysterics. Okay. The lead detective thinks it's odd that the Ramses are kind of ignoring the note, meaning John has his friend start to like get the money from the bank, but it, you can't just go in and cash out one hundred eighteen thousand. No. Like you got to talk to in hundreds. You got to talk to like bank managers and shit. Like there's a whole process. John doesn't want to leave the scene, so he sends one of his friends because I'm sure all of his friends can easily get one hundred eighteen thousand dollars together at some point. So he sends one of his friends to do it. He's like, "I'll pay you back." His friends off trying to gather the money. Other than that, they're not abiding by this note at all and the detective thought it was very interesting that nobody even cared when the deadline passed like the Mm. deadline for the money comes and goes and everyone's just still sitting around okay she's like if you guys are really into this kidnapping thing why aren't we acting with some haste here you know for sure around 1 p.m just to get them to go do something one of the officers asks john and one of his family friends to do another sweep of the house, see if anything is off. Something yeah. that the police would have missed that you would, a homeowner you would, would know, know about. Mm-hmm. So John heads straight down to their basement, which is a refinished, ba- uh, finished basement, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's like a mess down there. It's a bit of a disaster area. It's kind of like a catch-all room. Sure. They just throw everything in the basement. Yeah. He goes to this like locked off section of the basement. I'm not sure if it's like a closet. They call it a wine cellar, but I don't think there's actual wine in there. But it's behind like a door with a latch. Mm -hmm. And he unlocks the latch. He opens the door and he finds his daughter, JonBenet's dead body behind that door. This is actually where Patsy had been hiding Christmas presents all season. And that's where they find JonBenet. Her mouth has been duct taped. There's been nylon cord around her wrists, tying up her wrists. That same nylon cord um, has been wrapped around her neck and a garrote has been made with one of, they come to find out, Patsy's paintbrushes. Broken mm-hmm. handle of a paintbrush has been used to tighten the garrote around her neck. And she's been covered with a white blanket. John immediately picks Jean Benet up and brings her upstairs. Um, she's obviously dead. There's no point in trying resuscitative measures people really make a big deal about john picking up the body i don't hold that against him i don't know what the reaction yeah would of any parent would be yeah you see your baby exactly Uh, who's to say what you're gonna do in that moment obviously when he brings her up into the living room lays her down on the floor patsy loses it of course throws herself on john benet's body crying They give Patsy a minute, then they start, you know, someone kind of picks Patsy up. And then John and lead detective, 
Linda Arndt, 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 I think, yeah. <laughs> both kneel over John Bonet's body to kind of look her over. And Linda says that she locks eyes with John at one point, and the stare he gives her makes her blood run cold. And she says she gets so freaked out that when she stands back up, she starts secretly counting the bullets that she has in her gun because she is convinced that John did it and that she's in the house with the murderer currently. Oh, I have chills. Wow. She believes that the entire time. Oh, they'll hear it in a minute. She believes that the entire time. She never wavers from the idea that at least John did it, if not the family and that either he's in on it or they're all in on it. Wow. But she heavily believes John is responsible Crazy. for the murder of Jean Bonnet. The train's coming, guys. Get yeah. your drinks ready. <laughs> should we cheers? We should. How? We, we haven't not? cheers yet. Dang. Happy New Year's. Happy New Trains. Ugh. Here, y'all. The true crime train has entered the chat. I feel like there's been at least three within the past, what, two hours? Something like that. It's all those late Christmas presents. Uh, sure. My perfume's on that train somewhere. I've been <gasps> waiting for it forever. It's the same one. I just reordered, but it's late. Now, the in- uh, real quick initial interviews with John, John and Patsy. These are not their official statements. Mm-hmm. These are, I don't even know if they count as, I mean, they're on the record, but this is not, yeah. this is just like, what is the last thing you guys remember? Yeah. And they tell the police that they came home from their friend's Christmas party. Mm-hmm. They're at the Christmas party for a few hours last night. They got home around 10 p.m. Both kids were awake. Um, and Patsy changed John Bonet into her pajamas. And then John read her a book. And then he eventually got both kids to sleep. <clears throat> Later on that day, after they found John Bonet's body, um, and, and a little bit of time had passed, they actually, people heard John on the phone. And by people, I mean like the investigators overheard John on the phone trying to book emergency flights out of Colorado because he said that he had important business to intend, attend to and he was getting his family out of there, which of course the cops were like, uh, no. And you had said they were going to go on vacation. How could you ruin their vacation? Yeah. The cops were like, absolutely not. You're staying here. What the fuck are you talking about? Right. So that is... Very weird. Absurd. Later on, the autopsy shows that John Bonet did die from strangulation, although they found the garrote to not be as tight as it originally looked. When they first found Jean Bonet, her skin had swelled kind of around the nylon cord, which led them to believe that the garrote had been very tight. Come to find out it was actually pretty loose for strangulation. It's just the natural stuff that happens to your body. The buildup of like gases and fluids and whatever had like swelled her neck around it. But the groat itself was pretty loose and the nylon ligatures, whatever around her wrists were extremely loose. Loose enough that they believe that they were even put on maybe after death. Like Be- it wouldn't hold anybody. There, so there's no why, point to them. Mm-hmm, they were so they were loose. just to look. Mm-hmm. They did find a pretty severe skull fracture, which would have led the skull fracture and what happens after you hit somebody that hard in the head, although that did not kill her. It did lead her 
to be strangled easier, which is why the groat didn't have to be as tight as mm-hmm. if you were strangling so uh, totally who was with it, mm-hmm. right, and conscious. Mm-hmm. They found her body um, had no semen on it, but she did have vaginal injuries. And what was interesting was some of those injuries looked like they had happened for weeks before her death. So she had sustained vaginal injuries way before she actually died. Okay. They also found B, pineapple in her stomach, pieces of pineapple. And the coroner coroner, uh, said that the amount that that it had been digested leads them to believe that, yes, obviously she ate it before she was murdered, clearly, but she ate it after 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. which throws off their whole timeline right. of coming home at 10 o'clock and, and her going to bed and her going to bed. Yeah. The police have no signs of forced entry. They have n- nobody, like I said, acting in haste to follow up with the letter. All the supplies came from the home. The that ransom note was written on notebook paper. Yep. And it would have taken, I think, they, a handwritten. Yeah, and yeah. they they believe um, they've timed it out, and you can't do it like it takes a few minutes to write that out, and that's if you know exactly what you're going to say and not ramble, right? And like stop, pause, think, mm-hmm. you know. So they were. That's weird that it took somebody so long to write out that note on a notebook and a pen that came from the house. Mm-hmm. The nylon cords came from the house. The paintbrush came from the house. The blanket that was left over her dead body obviously came from the house. The duct tape came from the house. Every single thing used came from the Ramsey house. Obviously, the vaginal injuries that happened before her murder. This all leads the Ramseys to look very suspicious. Of course. In the basement, they also found a broken window, which John told them about right away. He said he he broke it a couple weeks earlier on accident. Hadn't gotten around to fixing it yet. So people who believe in the intruder theory think that's where they came in. That's why there was no sign of forced entry. However, there were spider webs mm-hmm. over that that were undisturbed. There was dust on the window that was undisturbed, which you would think. How would they? Would, get, right. Yeah, there's no way. They found a suitcase standing up, like a hard suitcase standing up underneath the window. So they're wondering, was that possibly like trying to like step up on it to get back out? Because getting in is easier. They actually had a detective crawl through the window to prove that it could happen. Now, how you could not disturb dust or spiderwebs, I don't know, but. The point is the fracture in the window was big enough that a grown man could get in and out, get in and out, get in. Oh, but now you're dropping down into a basement. Mm -hmm. So to get back out is way harder. Yeah. So they found a suitcase standing up underneath the window. They're wondering if they use that as a step up and out Mm -hmm. inside the suitcase, though, they found fibers from the clothing that Jean Benet was wearing when she was found. So there's always the question. People still ask the question of whether or not she had been put in that suitcase and then taken back out. Right. For for what reason? Mm -hmm. Or maybe the Ramses used that suitcase and just so happened to have packed those clothes once upon a time. And they hadn't been washed. Yeah. So So who knows? There was also a boot print found near Jean Benet's body, which did not match 
anybody living in the Ramsey home. And there were drops of blood found on her underwear from an unidentified male, which also did not match anybody in the Ramsey home. The police at one point are eventually told by the DA to treat the Ramseys as victims, not as suspects. They were a good family. They would never do anything to hurt their child. And they are not to be treated Mm -hmm. as suspects. Give them the respect and the privacy to grieve. Sure, because that's the neutral position we want people to have. So the Ramseys are not officially interviewed for four months. Four months. And they keep skirting it. They keep kind of like saying no. Yeah. At one point, I believe they do hire their own investigator. I don't know how it works. Obviously, he has friends in the high up offices. Somehow the Ramses and the team that they hire get their hands on the case files of the investigators. So when they're going into this interview... They already know Mm -hmm. what all the evidence that they've collected is. Now, four months after the death of Jean Benet, their stories have changed. Mm -hmm. Their story now is Jean Benet was asleep in the car when they got home. And they did what any parent would do. And they just carried her straight to bed and put her in bed in her what she was wearing that night. I will say... The podcast that I listened to that I liked, the the second one, mm-hmm. I don't think the people who did that podcast have kids because some of the stuff that they call the Ramseys out for being suspicious is an obvious normal thing. parent behavior. Yeah. They're like, it seems very odd that parents would not change their child into pajamas. I'm like, that's no, not odd at all. That's asleep. the most normal thing these people have done yeah. is not change that kid. For, you don't wake that baby. Admit to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put that kid in their bed. Mm-hmm. No one's ch- not. I don't know a parent alive that would wake their kid up to Absolutely. put on pajamas mm-hmm. 10 o'clock after a Mm-mm. Christmas party. But yeah, they're claiming now Jean Benet was sound asleep, straight to bed in their clothes, in her clothes, Which, by the way, are different clothes than what she was found in. Yeah. So um, she had worn one outfit to the party. I believe when they found her, she was still wearing the shirt that she had worn to the party. But now she is wearing a set of long johns and a set of underwear, neither of which ever belonged to her. They're both too big. The long johns are old long johns of Burt's. Burks. I said Burt. Burks. and the underwear are actually a, a women's adult underwear that Patsy said had been bought for like an adult member of the family. Crazy. But she was found in the part of the basement where Patsy hides Christmas presents and also where Just Patsy had shape. a ton of um, bags for donation. Yeah. So we're wondering if the clothes like Burke's old long johns, those probably came from the donation bags. The underwear, if Patsy's telling the truth, w- was bought for a previous for yeah. some family member out there. But that's what Jean Benet was found in. She was not found in the clothes that she went to air quote bed to bed in. And, yeah. Also, if they're saying that Jean Benet was asleep when they came home from the party, that throws the pineapple thi- the pineapple throws that story out the window again. Yeah. She had to. She ate pineapple. It was in her stomach at home. At was, yeah, it wasn't at the Christmas party. And yeah. all three Ramseys, meaning John, Patsy, and Burke, because Burke ended up doing an interview with um, Dr. Phil as an adult. And what he told officers back in the day, 
None of them remembered this pineapple. Nobody remembers serving, like eating pineapple. However, on the scene in the Ramsey's house was a bowl of pineapple left out on the table with Burke's fingerprints on it. So it's very weird that they had a fresh bowl of cut up pineapple that that nobody remembers remembers that John Bonet clearly ate after the party before she was murdered. And who the fuck gives their kid pineapple before bed like i don't know i like pineapple i don't think they i don't so i'll go into that theory when we go into the suspects okay. the theory is that they didn't give john benet pineapple before bed the theory is that they gave the kids or at least one kid pineapple before like for lunch or something and didn't clean it up and jean benet just grabbed like a piece like mm-hmm. on her way to bed okay sure but that throws out their ironclad story that if she, she was, was asleep. asleep yeah no oh my gosh it's so much to process so investigators go after the ramses hard and they do for years they make the whole family including john's older kids who weren't even in colorado at the time give um multiple dna samples they make, and by the way, all those samples, they're all cleared. Okay. They're cleared of the DNA samples. They make every member of the family do multiple handwriting samples where they mm-hmm. have to rewrite that ransom note with both hands, their dominant hand and their non-dominant hand, over and over and over again. And every member of the family is cleared except for Patsy. Mm-hmm. Patsy can never clear the handwriting analysis. And they actually, the Ramseys end up hiring their own handwriting experts. Of course they do. Who can also not clear Patsy for the handwriting. And then later on, I mean, when I say later, I mean years and years and years later, they find um, what they call touch DNA on the long johns that belong. um, I don't know if they, I don't know if they know it belongs to a man or a woman, but they find touch DNA left, which is basically skin cells left on the long johns. That matched no one in the Ramses. And this eventually leads the Ramses from being exonerated in 2008. So we've got blood, a footprint, and now skin cells. So the footprint is weird. To anyone in the family. But the blood and the skin cells are both on pieces of clothing that were, gonna get donated. That were not hers john benet's yeah. and we don't know if the underwear was going to get donated or not we're going off patsy's word right. that she bought those as a christmas present but we don't know that for sure she could be lying it could have been in the donation bag yeah. too and that who knows where that blood came from for sure but yes the important mm-hmm. part is the clothes john benet is wearing were not her not actual hers. clothes Mm-mm. so touch you that's skin cells that could come from anything anywhere yeah. anybody the boot print is weird Because where would the boot print come from? But we also don't know how old the boot print is. No. What if that boot print's been there forever? Also, there were people walking all over the place. Right. So obviously this case is still not solved. But I will go into our multiple theories. Yeah. Because it's mind-boggling. The first theory, and obviously the theory most supported by the Ramsey family, um, most supported by that guy they hired, Lou, Mm -hmm. Most supported by, rest in peace, Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters interviewed the Ramsey family multiple times. After their exoneration in 2008, she came out publicly and said she actually thought that 
they never had a part of it specifically john she thought john never had a part of it um so the this theory is the intruder theory and obviously we talked about it the guy came through the window blah 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 blah. all right so quick rundown of the intruder of the intruder theory suspects there's a local um pedophile named gary he's from boulder he his childhood friend that he's known his whole life um claims to police that gary had confessed to him about the crime but he's cleared by dna although he ended up going back to prison not too long ago for um child pornography so that's weird sicko gary then there's michael who works at a local salvage yard um he was in a argument with the ramses at the time his footprint uh matched pretty closely it's not an exact print but it's not too far off and he actually killed himself in 1997 two days after the police announced that they were like zeroing in on a suspect however they did a dna with his dead body and dna cleared him as well so i think those are like the two main guys if there's more and i didn't write them down hey let me know in the comments Now we'll go on to John Ramsey, who Mm. got a lot of the heat, usually because Patsy was too hysterical or spaced out to talk to. Um, And he was always very clear and concise. John was never hysterical. He was. But you're talking about a high level, high powered businessman. And uh, I think he had an easier time like communicating in high pressure situations. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't think John did it. And he's also already lost a child. So it's like he has. And it just none of the evidence really lines up with him doing it. Honestly, some of the mistakes that were made that lead me to think the person that possibly did it did it. I think John is too smart to make. And I think he's too smart to make it to the point where he's the one who points it out like if I did this, guys, why the fuck would I put my bonus amount on there? Yeah. Why would I be the one to find the body first? Mm-hmm. Like, why would all these things that make me look suspicious? Why I wouldn't would do, I do that shit. Purpose? Yeah. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Okay. I don't think John did it. Okay. Now there's the Burke theory. Mm-hmm. Burke's kind of weird. I don't know if you've seen an interview <laughs> I ha- with I Burke. Know nothing about him. You have him. got to when we're done. Mm-hmm. We'll pull up the Dr. Phil interview. Okay. He comes off so off-putting as a grown man during that Dr. Phil interview that it made everyone. So you have that Dr. Phil interview, which they had put out ahead of that. um, We'll say CBS. I don't know who it was. NBC docuseries. And you can tell the family was probably trying to get ahead of it because they were going to lay out the theory that Burke did it. Mm -hmm. And so like, oh, well, we'll have an interview with Dr. Phil and they'll see that Burke is a fucking weirdo. And now it just makes him look super guilty. The theory behind Burke doing it is that that pineapple was his pineapple. He was probably already jealous of Jean Benet because of she's the golden child. She's the perfect child. She's Patsy's clear favorite. Mm-hmm. And maybe he told her that he couldn't that siblings fight over stupid shit like yeah. this. My kids fight over stupid shit like this. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance. I don't know, a month ago or so, two months ago. We went to Chili's and my oldest always gets chicken crispers, Mm -hmm. the full meal. And they have they always take chicken crispers home. Well, my 10 year old son, who we just talked about, is a fucking garbage disposal right now. At some point, 
ate of course my oldest's leftovers now tonight we went to Chili's because we were at the mall we stopped to get some late lunch my oldest does the same thing they always do and still brought up don't eat my chicken crispers I will kill you Mm -hmm. like as a joke but But they fight about this my oldest will never let that go they're like I'm gonna bring this up at your wedding every day yeah they will never let it go so yeah siblings fight over dumb shit like this Mm -hmm. Yes, it's just pineapple. But if Burke told her that it was his pineapple and then she came home from that Christmas party and ate some pineapple, they're wondering, maybe not with the intention to kill her, but they're thinking he got mad and like swung like a flashlight or something and killed her on accident. And then obviously trying to protect their only child left, the parents cover it up whether patsy covers it up by herself or john and patsy although like i said i think if john was in on it he would have done a better job Mm -hmm. i honestly don't necessarily think that's what happened but you never know which leaves us to the person i think did it which is patsy Mm -hmm. i think this is a patsy problem first of all from the very very first time i heard that note i thought patsy wrote it it sounds like Patsy and yeah. the podcast I listened to, they brought up plenty because these parents were interviewed time and time and time and time again, not to mention, like I said, all the local TV kind of interviewee stuff she was doing. Mm-hmm. She does this. She's she'll well scripted she, mm-hmm. and she'll throw movie quotes into her normal dialogue. Oh, Weird. Like, me and my husband do it too. Okay. But, you know, it's just kind of like part of the way she talks. Mm-hmm. It's It would be a very natural thing for her to write those cliches into, into her letter and thinking mm-hmm. like, this is how bad guys talk, you know, whatever. Um, the fact that she thought that that note was passable speaks to her um, privilege, mm-hmm. her naiveness. Her confidence in always being a rich white Southern belle, Mm -hmm. thinking that she was on top of shit. And really, to me, that note screams somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. The whole uh, telling John about your Southern charm or whatever, I could totally see that being something that she says. And then also the note keeping John busy. Mm. So the theory is that's why it's directed to John. We're wondering if when Patsy went to go, she wanted to get Jean Bonnet out of the house and she couldn't do it because she wasn't strong enough to get her up and through that basement window. Mm-hmm. So instead, she hid Jean Bonnet where she normally hides stuff. And then she wrote a very detailed letter to John to keep John busy oh, all morning. Yeah. It takes forever to get that breakdown of cash in the bank. Then you have to have the attache case. Get some rest, John, because the delivery is going to be so strenuous. So she's trying to keep John busy long enough to get John Benet's body out of the house would be the theory. And then obviously it didn't happen because John never left. He said, fuck that. We're calling 911. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck these guys. And that's the other thing is. If Patsy did it and if Patsy wrote that note. My theory is that John knows it from the minute he reads that note. That it was her. I think he read that note. And he was like, fuck. And he knew exactly who fucking did it. Mm -hmm. And I think he's been protecting her. Ever since. Ever since. Yeah. 
Now, some of the things to back this up is multiple interviews from that their housekeeper and their nanny who have both seen this weird, enmeshed rela- relationship between Patsy and Jean Benet, how weird Patsy is with Jean Benet, and how sometimes Patsy's anger would like slip out, an anger that she had been pushing down, pushing down, keep control, everything's perfect, mm-hmm. I'm so happy, mm-hmm. this is perfect. So when Jean Benet started to like potty train regress, forget about it. The housekeeper and nanny both testified that they would see Patsy grab John Bonet and force her into the bathroom and shut the door and air quote clean her up, but like use it as a form of punishment, yeah. which would also explain the vaginal injuries oh. weeks leading up to her death. We're wondering if after the Christmas party, which by the way, Patsy admits to fighting with John Bonet before the party. Because Patsy wanted to wear matching outfits with Jean Benet, and Jean Benet did not want to match her mother for this Christmas party. So they already were in a tiff, and Patsy admits that to police in interviews that her and Jean Benet had been fighting over the fact that Jean Benet did not want to match her at this fucking Christmas party. Okay. They go to this Christmas party, whatever happens there happens. They come home. Jean Benet has an accident in her party pants, mm-hmm. which they found soiled on her bedroom floor. Just like they found all of her clean underwear had soiled stains in it. So this idea that she was like slightly regressing. No. She was in a full on had major toilet problems. All of her underwear was stained. And like I said, they found her party pants soiled and stained on her bedroom floor. So again, they had to have changed her. So the theory is, is that Patsy losing her cool takes her into the bathroom to air quote, clean her up, a.k.a. punish her like she always does. Maybe they get into a tiff. Maybe John Benet says something she doesn't like or whatever. And Patsy slams her head against the bathroom counter, cleans it up, takes her downstairs mm-hmm. and starts to cover up very sloppily what she did right. and really relies on the fact that nobody could ever believe that she was capable of doing such a thing. Of such a thing. Now, if that feels far-fetched, Just know that most childhood murders, most child murders from the ages six and up, which John Bonet was six, happen in upper to middle class households. And most of those murderers are white mothers in upper to middle class households that have no prior signs of abuse or neglect. We're talking about perfect mothers who finally snap. Yep. Patsy, by the way, what's crazy is Patsy was like our age. Mm -hmm. She might be a little bit older. I think she was 39 at the time, 38, 39. But now our perfect beauty queen is approaching 40, which is throwing her in a bit of a tailspin. Her perfection is crumbling before her eyes. Her kids, who are her entire life, are not turning out the way she thought they would. Burke's a fucking weirdo. (laughs) Poor Burke. (laughs) John Bonet is a tomboy who's soiling her own pants. And doesn't want to matchy matchy with mommy anymore. Yep. Has she's also opinions. she's also the last one to see Jean Bonet alive. She's the only one to find the note. And I would as much as you go, oh, you never know how you would act in such a uh, in such a situation. You never know what your response would be. I feel very confident in the fact 
that Patsy was not reacting the way any mother I personally know, me and you included, would act if we thought our child was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. This is how I would act if I knew that my child had been murdered. Right. If I knew that my child was never coming back to me, yes, I would be falling over in hysterics, inconsolable. But if I really believed that somebody kidnapped my child. The possibility of getting her back. There's no ends to this earth. I, I would keep my shit together to try to figure this shit out. Yeah. We would have plans made. We would be acting at the very least. I fuck my husband, fuck the police, fuck everybody else. I know for a fact I would have searched every inch of my house. Clearly. I would have searched every single inch of that mansion. I guarantee you're the mom hiding Christmas presents. You know all the nooks and crannies. Yeah. You know where to go find hiding spots. My son would have been up and questioned. Yes. He would have been in on it. My husband, I don't know about John Ramsey. I can't speak to his character. I can tell you my husband would have been at every single neighbor's door. Forget have it. you seen so-and-so? Can I come in and take a look? Yeah. For sure. If it's somebody, if more than likely... Things happen to children by somebody they know. My husband would be at every neighbor's neighbor's door. I mean, Mm -hmm. my husband also has like big guy privilege, Mm -hmm. but he'd be like, let me just come in and take a look, right? Let's just take a little glance around here. You got nothing to hide, right? Mm -hmm. I'll just help myself. Mm -hmm. There is no way that if I thought there was a hope of getting my child back, that I would be in hysterics, inconsolable, doing doing fucking nothing. That shit throws me off so hard. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what to do about it. Also, um, filters from her coat that she had worn at that whole party, which she claimed that she was not wearing. Um, or no, she I can't remember what it was. Something weird about the coat. Either she was wearing it at the Christmas party and she was really wearing something else or whatever. But the coat that she was wearing the night before, fibers from that coat were found on John Bonet's body. This is what was weird about it. the fibers from her coat were found on John Bonet's body, which Patsy said, well, yeah, when they brought her body up, I fell like on top of her crying, but she wasn't wearing that coat to the Christmas party the night before. And those fibers were found inside of the ligatures. They were inside mm. the knots of the nylon rope and they were underneath the duct tape on John Bonet's mouth. Wow. So how did that happen? Patsy eventually dies of ovarian cancer at the age of 49 in June of 2006. John eventually goes on to remarry, but he has stuck by his guns this whole time. Him and his oldest kids are now committed to finding the murderer of John Bonet. And John has said in countless interviews, including that podcast I listened to, he will do, he will do, Patsy's dead, he will do any testing they want any dna any polygraph he'll do any interview any podcast you name it he'll do it until he finds the truth okay and there you go that's wow. the death of john benet ramsey Ugh. rest in peace oh poor sweet angel i will have such the ick oh so oh. tell me your now that i laid out the suspects what do you think well we had talked briefly about it because again this has been like three years in the making right we've always toyed with the idea of doing this case that I knew nothing about and originally you had thrown out the idea of the brother and I'm like it makes so much sense yeah the brother does it on accident 
the parents cover it up. Mm-hmm. I get that. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the movie that I'm about to talk about, it kind of leans a little bit one way or the other. And I'm like, well, I could see either or, but I am in agreement with you that as a mother, and like you're saying, this constant idea of keeping up with the perfection. And if that's not lining up, right, mm-hmm. how people can snap and that pageant life of like just the way that that mindset works. And yeah, especially uh, they do reference a lot of the details of the letter in the movie, but I had never heard the ransom letter. And once you read it, like you're saying, yeah, it, it l- reads like a fucking laundry list of like, don't do this, but don't forget that. And mm-hmm. it's like, what kidnapper? Right. Is don't forget the proper attache. Yeah. 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 And I don't think, and it's the same thing with, with my theory behind Burke. I don't think she maliciously set out to, if she did it, we do not know. No. We have no idea. Yeah. Only two people know, and one of them for sure is dead. Yeah. Um, but I could see it being an accident. Mm-hmm. Her snapping, her losing her temper in a way that she definitely shouldn't have. But I don't think she, like, had a plan to, like, no. kill John Bonet. No. Um, but I could see her snapping. Mm-hmm. And and to say, like, that would never happen. Well, it, but it does happen. It does. And it's the leading cause of child murders at the age six and up. For sure. So it for sure happens. Yeah. Um, we, um, again, like I kind of joked at the beginning when you were saying how she was always happy and I'm like, well, whatever she's on, like share it, but you don't, maybe she was on something or maybe she should have been on something. Yeah. Maybe she, she had some postpartum issues that never got checked. Maybe she had some depression issues that never got checked and maybe being on something would have helped. There's a reason for trying to constantly have that perfection. Mm hmm. 2000. Perfect murder. Perfect town. Because yours was like perfect something, perfect There was... I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The movie opens on February 27th, 2000 in Boulder, Colorado at the deserted Ramsey house while the camera pans around and this dramatic fucking music plays. Yeah. We time traveled three years earlier... Christmas Eve, 1996. Typical Christmas movie. Families in the plaza. 96 or 97? This says 96. Okay. December, Christmas Eve, 96. Okay. We see families doing their thing. And then again with the fucking dramatic music. And I had to suffer through it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make you all suffer through it. Oh. That's, That's my cue. Is it like Reba? <laughs> Don't you dare insult Reba like that. She's a queen. Do you think this is like on um, Married at First Sight where they don't have the budget for real music so they have to just make yes. up music? This is... Silence is good. Amen. <laughs> that's the it's in so much of the movie really that that was the one song they paid for 
By the way, this is a great time to mention that on the Grammys, they're doing a Whitney Houston tribute. Guess who's singing I Will Always Love You? Guess right now. Guess. Who would you you pick? I don't know. Well, the answer is J-Lo. J-Lo singing I Will Always Love You. No, it would not be J Lo. <laughs> because J Lo can't sing. I was like, maybe Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, Christina Aguilera, yeah. Pink, Adele. No, I lean towards Kelly, but I'm like, I, I would like it to be someone anybody of color. but J Lo. Yeah, not J Lo. No. Hell, okay. how about the original singer of the song, Dolly Parton, but oh. not J Lo? Yeah, no. And J Lo's like, they chose me because they know I have the vocal range. Bitch, where? Where? Where do you have this range? Because well, she pretends she's still Selena. <laughs> yeah. And also every hit song she ever had was sang by Ashanti. Did you know that? You told me that. You have taught me that. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. My theory is this is all a way to get us to watch the Grammys, to hate watch it. And then she's going to get like a mysterious illness, like laryngitis or something. And, and then like Pink will step up right. and be like, I'll do it. I'll cover it. But they were always going to have somebody better to do it. This is just to get us to watch it. Uh, okay it's christmas morning yay and a pretty little blonde girl is walking down the stairs to find a new bike wrapped with a huge bow by the tree and shockingly it's john benet ramsey and we watch her as she practices riding up and down the street in her little christmas hat and her overalls all morning long That night, or early in the morning, I don't know, because I don't know what the fuck's going on, we hear a call to 911. It's, of course, panicked Patsy Ramsey reporting that her daughter's been kidnapped, and we see her show an officer a three-page, you said two and a half, handwritten note that she found on the stairs that says someone will be calling between 8 and 10, I don't know if that's in the morning or at night, requesting $118,000 while threatening to cut off their daughter's head. They note in the movie that the amount seems oddly specific. Other things in the note don't add up. And um, they last saw their daughter alive at 1015 when they claimed to have put her to bed. We see the Boulder Police Department is in a scramble. They, they are not used to this type no, of crime. No, they are severely understaffed for the holidays. They seem in no way prepared for this kind of situation. As we overhear one of the officers asking someone, do we have a protocol book? <laughs> Real quick, two things to the Boulder Police. The fact that the lead detective was a woman Really sat weird with a lot of people. Okay. And even John, when he refers to her, and it could be just be like some beef they have. He keeps calling her like in his book and in interviews. He calls her the lady detective. Ooh. He's also some lady detective. And real quick, we'll gloss over the 911 call because I didn't talk about it too much. Two things stand out. One, that docuseries was trying to prove that you can hear Burke in the mm-hmm. very background when you hang up. Mm-hmm. That's never actually been proven by any, I don't know what you want to call them, sound engineers, sound people. Right. They've tried and tried. I've tried and tried. I've yeah. listened to the isolated you vocals. I've listened to everything. And you cannot 
for sure say that it's him. say that it's Burke in the background. But what I will say is odd and people who study 911 calls will say is odd is the fact that this is an emergency and your daughter is missing. People who are in real emergencies never hang up from 911. They leave it going People until someone shows up. never hang up from 911. That is your lifeline. Mm-hmm. Your lifeline are the people on the other end of that line, and people never hang up. So almost across the board, if people hang up early, Something's it up. usually shows some guilt because they're trying to get off that phone. Okay. So I'm not saying Patsy's guilty, but uh, I am saying if your kid is missing, do you think you're hanging up from the authorities? No. no. That's your lifeline. I love it. As you discussed, at least nine friends slash neighbors come and go to comfort the family. And all I can think to myself is, what the fuck? It's a party, y'all. Yeah. Like all the evidence that's getting fucked up with these people. Finally, they wake their son up and remove him from the house around 7. The FBI shows up around 8, 10 a.m., John Ramsey tells them he remembers locking the door but didn't arm the alarm because he says he rarely ever does. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be me. Right. They take writing samples from both the parents as well as all the people that had come and gone. The family sits around and prays as they wait for the ransom call to come, which it doesn't. Uh, at John's office, employees are being asked um, if there's any, like, enemies to the family, this and that or whatever. And we find out about the bonus, mm-hmm. the exact match. 1 p.m., the officer on scene, Linda Arndt, asks John to search the house once again. Just, like, go do something. Yeah. Just help out. He and the friend start in the basement. The friend immediately notices the broken window. John says, I did it a while ago. Haven't gotten around to fixing it. John goes into another room. Again, you said they call it a wine cellar. It's more like a boiler room, Mm -hmm. but whatever. And that is where we find John Bonet bound, duct taped, in jammies, on the blanket. Like, she looks like a doll. Also... If your daughter's been air quote kidnapped and you knew that there was a broken window in the basement, wouldn't that be one of the, the first, first things fucking place you look first thing you tell authorities first place you like, go? Oh, fuck. I didn't arm the alarm and I happened to break the window. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the first thing I tell police officers. It's Christmas. I think people are like going to steal my like, you know, they have money. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's likely that someone would try to like uh, all of it. Mm. <clears throat> John grabs her, runs up the stairs screaming for an ambulance. But, of course, Officer Linda knows it's already too late for that. We cue to the screaming and the crying, the uncontrollable parents. Police finally go to the basement. They note the same broken window. And then finally, 30 minutes after finding his dead daughter, Sergeant Larry Mason, a.k.a. Dad from Home Alone, (gasps) episode 22. Oh, my God. Finds John. It's a Christmas THC miracle. Finds John making arrangements with a pilot to fly his family out of Boulder. And Mason's like, bro. What? You're not going anywhere. Like, we just found you. Again, it would never cross my mind as a parent. Yeah. 
I don't care how much money I have. I'm not. We're not going, going anywhere. anywhere. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. What, where are you going to take me? No. Give um, me my fucking Xanax and my Norcos and let me go to bed. So John argues that he and his family, they need space and time to grieve. Yeah, that's the real John is what he says. And police agree. They give them the time to inform their son and settle whatever. So police then go on to inform the housekeeper, Linda, who breaks down in tears. And they ask for her handwriting sample where they specifically ask her to write the words attache and beheaded. Oh. Bitch, do you think I could fucking spell attache yeah. if, I, if my life depended on it? I Googled it and Google was like, no. That's what? I think it's A-T-T-A-C-H-E. You got to have a little thing above the E. But yeah, absolutely. You're right. No. Are you kidding me? An attache. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even think that that word. That's a very rich word. It is. It's even so if I fancy. was giving direction, it, I personally wouldn't say attache. I would so say bring fancy. a briefcase, maybe right. a duffel. Mm-mm. Linda is played by Margot Martindale, who listeners might remember as Doctor Browning from episode thirty-five, The Orphan. Oh my. God, you're welcome. It's a hundred years ago. I know. Also, Dr. Phil related. Yeah. Because the real life orphan uh-huh. was on Dr. Phil. Look at that. They discuss John Bonet's bedwetting. Ask Linda if she ever saw punishment for this, signs of abuse, bruises, blah, blah, blah. Linda adamantly denies. They are the sweetest family. They would never do anything to their children. Sergeant Mason goes back to the house that night where he's being told that it has been fully searched and the family can move back in tomorrow morning. And Mason's like, what the fuck? It's the middle of the night. This is a three-story house. I've seen it take days to search a a property this size. Right. And you're just all like, no, we're good. So at this point, we're seeing all the different departments fight each other. Oh, perfect. We've never seen this before, mm-hmm. right? They always get along mm-hmm. and cooperate. Yeah, of course. Officers are leaking crime scene details to reporters. It's a fucking shit show. 8.30 a.m. Day two. <laughs> Just, everything went to hell in a handbasket. Right. The coroner reviews John Bonet's body. He finds the cables tied to the body were attached to a wooden stick with multiple shades of paint on it, a possible paintbrush. Cause of death could be from a wound to the head or suffocation due to the tie around the neck. Can't be determined which happened first. Vaginal bruising, no clue like how current. Um, Possible residue of semen, urine, or blood on her upper thigh. Pineapple in the small intestine. And then we get into the interviews. Mm-hmm. Why start with the family? That's just bizarre. We wouldn't do anything like that. Instead, we're going to start with the friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the friend that was with John when they found John Benet. He says that not only did he find the broken window, he touched the glass. <laughs> 
He also had already checked the room she was found in, but he couldn't find a light. So, like, he opened the door. Oh, shit. Touched things, but never saw her. Oh. (laughs) So his shit's all over everything. But again, the Ramseys are a lovely family. They would never do anything. Never. To hurt their daughter. People never, ever kill their own kids. A dance teacher is interviewed. She claims the provocative nature of the child's performances were encouraged by the mom. Oh, interesting. Being a former child pageant. And we f- see flashbacks to John Bonet in class where her mom is coaching her. And it's very, like you said, dance mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my 12-year-old's favorite show. Police get confirmation from from forensics that the ransom letter was written on a pad of paper found from the household. They try to interview John's brother, Jeff. He also denies them, claiming to need time to process everything privately with his family. Police are informed that after um, the memorial service, the Ramses are planning to fly John Bonet's body to Atlanta. I guess they also have a home in Atlanta. Like I said, I think they started off in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So police are trying to do what they can to like delay all this because they need their evidence, DNA, fingerprints, whatever, from the family. Um, Brian Scott, I think you might have mentioned him he's a landscaper he's nope. interviewed says he constantly saw john benet crying because her dad was never around yeah i do think i heard something about him though okay december 29th day four they have a memorial service a reverend is calling out uh reporters for their vicious rumor spreading about the family and their possible involvement in their daughter's death December 31st, we fly to Atlanta for an additional service. January 1st. Hey, that's today. 1997. The Ramses give a TV interview announcing that they've assembled their own investigative team claiming the Boulder police have harassed them and then call them out for their inadequacies and then tell the members of the community to watch their backs, basically. Because... The police are inadequate. And real quick, I just checked. You are 100% right. I'm 100% wrong. It was. It's 96 because I keep having 97 97. in my head because it goes into 97. But she is found 1996. And also John Ramsey is from Nebraska. So I don't know if that makes him Southern or not. You know how those weird middle states have nothing going on for them? They like to to claim they're Southern. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Yeah, there's wine left. So much wine. Holy shit. Because we've used everything else. By the way, tonight, guys, we were trying to drink our good old fashioned stinky pinkies. It's probably been a year since we've done it. Easy. Mm-hmm. Which um, the old school listeners will know is one part vodka, one part wine. The rest seltzer afloat of this crazy shit my sister-in-law found called kinky pink, which makes you hallucinate and black it's out. crazy. Just adding that float. <laughs> B and I are, we can handle our liquor and, and it makes us just dissolve into <laughs> crazy animalistic human beings every time to the point where B's husband has like There's banned rules. it from functions. There's rules. He's like, no kinky pink tonight. No kinky pink. 
Anyways, my local liquor store didn't have it. So we're doing all of that, but with an apple juice float instead of a The apple juice is so much better than the lemonade. Well, the real listeners will know that apple juice is your preferred juice. It is. And I don't know why I doubted it. God, what's wrong with me? How could I? Oh, oh, I got a a lefty pour. This is not the place to spill. Everything I've ever spent money on is on this table. Okay. January 1st, 1997. They call out the people for being garbage. January 4th. John Bonet's classmates are going back to school. They're being harassed by reporters on their way in and then having to be counseled by their teachers because they're all terrified that something like this can also happen to them. Nine days after searching the house, there's still no definitive uh, evidence. It looks like the attack came from someone either in the house or someone really familiar with the inside of the house. And part of the intruder theory I forgot to mention is the idea that because they were at this Christmas party for so long, because people question someone in in and people question how long it took to write the note. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, but. The house was so big, so big, clear that they didn't even look in all the places for Jean Bonnet that somebody could have been hiding in the house so while big, they so were empty. gone and mm-hmm. they had time to write the note. They had time to get real comfortable. So even though there were footprints found outside the house in the snow that didn't match anyone in the family, there were also spider webs that were found intact by the broken window. In Atlanta, police interview Patsy. And we learn that she, at one point, had stage four ovarian cancer. Her mom says it's Patsy's love for her daughter that kept her alive, basically. Okay. <laughs> sure. They discussed John Bonet's issues with the potty training. And police start to imply that someone might have used that as an opportunity to touch her inappropriately and even kind of pointed towards John being the one doing it, maybe sexually abusing John Bonet, and she immediately cuts them off. Like, absolutely not. He would never. And that was one of the things, not about John touching her, but that was the other thing with that podcast. So I said, like, they obviously don't have kids because they put John Bonet to bed in their party clothes, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. The other thing that they mentioned that was so weird that they could not get beyond was the fact that a six-year-old would still need help wiping. Oh, forget it. And yeah. I'm like, that's normal shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that John Bonet's toilet regression wasn't extreme, but in general, you know, I don't know. Six is a little old, but if they're having toilet regression problems and they're soiling themselves and, and then, stuff, yeah. yes, it is totally normal for a parent to get in there and help clean up a bit. Absolutely. So that is obviously... going to get angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. especially a female females got all kinds it's of nooks and crannies up. you gotta keep it clean uh-huh absolutely january 15th it's confirmed the residue found on john benet's thigh was dry blood and not semen dna that was never matched to anyone in the family and they lean towards the vaginal bruising being from the new bike I mean, just a tie that the movie made. 
The only handwriting sample that hasn't been ruled out is Patsy's. Desperate to try to pin it on her. They are trying to basically do anything they can to move forward. Like just coerce her into like leaning into this. There's this little girl, Megan, from the school that talks to police about her friendship with John Bonet. That leads to nothing. But Megan's mom overhears John Bonet telling Megan about a special Santa. Yes, he's one of the ones, and I didn't write him down, but mm-hmm. yes, the family friend neighborhood Santa. Mm-hmm. Told her he would give her a secret visit after he finished delivering presents on Christmas night. Literally the, literally the only thing that people have about this Santa, it was a family friend who was dressed as Santa for like a Christmas party. And yeah, he said some like stuff that in hindsight sounds weird, but had no child gotten murdered, it isn't something that's like out of the realm for Santa's to say. And I guess it sounds like he had surgery that would have made him like beyond weak at the time. Like there's no yeah. way he could have physically done it. Yeah. I think the Santa thing is, maybe that's why I didn't write it down, because it just sounds creepy because someone got murdered. Yeah. And also, Santas are kind of creepy in general. Well, well, that's why I had to fucking bring it. I know, of course. A hair is finally found on the blanket that John Bonet's body was wrapped in. Detective Linda is basically hung out to dry, like you were saying, for all the mistakes, all the inadequacies, like this female officer. This lady detective. Mm -hmm. Again, the different departments working on the case are fighting over unshared information, lack of cooperation. They even go as far as trying to blackmail each other, force (laughs) resignation. Everyone's suing one another. That's crazy. So let's recap. The police have this basic idea that whoever did it knows the house. To get John Bonet unheard, unseen, it's likely that she must have known the assailant. Mm-hmm. And then to leave this handwritten note after the fact to make it look like a kidnapping when she was already dead. Mm-hmm. They collect hair, saliva, handwriting of John Brewer, who's in prison already for the kidnapping and molestation of an attempted murder of a two-year-old girl who was found to have been or who was found to have had John Bonet memorabilia in his home. So yeah. He, mm-hmm. I think this is the guy that I think he confesses to a bunch of stuff though. Did you ever see the movie Jury Duty with Polly Shore? Yes, but don't ask me to remember one thing about it. All I want to know is if you remember the actor who played the guy that was guilty. Nope. No. Okay. Well, I only remember Polly Shore. Okay. Because he plays reporter Jeff. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that for him. Yes. He works for the Globe and he is sneaking his way into DA office to get information and he, the two of them basically make a deal to work together because reporters can pay people for information and police oh, yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. The 911 call from Patsy was made at 5.50 in the morning. They review it. They hear another voice and they tie it to Burke, who they claim wasn't awake. April 
1997, police finally interviewed the Ramses. You fucking kidding me? It's crazy. It's crazy. I can't. According to Patsy, she can't remember most of the events that happened. Yeah, because it's been fucking months. <laughs> and you've probably been on so many mm-hmm. fucking painkillers and antidepressants. She remembers having crab dinner, putting Jean Benet to bed, and then waking up the next morning and finding the note. She claims Burke stayed asleep through all of it. All of the screaming, all of the crying, all of the noise. Again, my 10-year-old son would. Okay. There you go. He would stay asleep, but I would not allow him to be asleep Mm -hmm. through that. But if you gave him the option. The other night, he fell asleep before. This was New Year's, and I wanted him up because it was New Year's Eve. Um, And this, I'm talking he fell asleep probably around 9-ish, just on accident. He was in his room watching his phone. He fell asleep. I'm telling you, I was screaming yelling and pounding on his door because my kids are getting at the age now where I don't just walk in. I'm not trying to see something that scars us both. I'm yelling, pounding on his door, yelling, 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 yelling. And then he's finally like, he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's happening. I do see that as a possibility that he would sleep through it. But again, why would you let let that happen? Mm -hmm. She tells police that she believes the murderer is a woman who's trying to set her up and gives names to the people who have keys to their house. The cleaning ladies, the babysitters, the neighbors. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same story for John. He doesn't remember much besides taking Burke to the neighbors, waiting for the ransom call, and then finding his daughter dead. Bro, it's only been four months. You would think that, that something that tragic would be so ingrained in your brain. Right. That you would never forget it. He refuses to take a lie detector test, but Patsy says she's happy to take one, although I never see her take one. The Ramses give a TV interview offering a, a reward. Um, reporter Jeff from the Globe goes to meet with police. He reveals his relationship with the DA officer Alex Hunter. So once they figure out that Jeff is playing both sides in retaliation, Hunter releases information about some guy named John Eller. Eller believes some computer evidence has been tampered with, but there's nothing to back that up. Like, again, it's just all these fucking officers that are so butthurt that they can't figure out what the fuck is actually going on, that they're just pointing fingers at each other Yeah, for their own fucking problems. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's like no one's actually looking at the facts or the evidence because they're just so upset that they're not getting anywhere. Yeah. So new guy, John Smith mm-hmm. is brought on to look at evidence and he believes John Bonet was sexually assaulted with Patsy's paintbrush by the cellar door prior to being asphyxiated. They test to see if you could hear John Bonet scream from upstairs and from outside and from the basement and everything. And they determined that if someone were to scream, you could hear her cries for help. So why didn't she cry for help? Or people slept through it. Like, how loud is the screaming? Right. <clears throat> also... They've never been able to find the roll of duct tape that was used 
to cover at some point her mouth. Okay. Right? They do confirm that the marks found on her body came from a stun gun that they believe at some point was used to get her knocked out before being brought downstairs. So again, the stun gun is something that the Ramsey's detective, Lou Smith. Uh-huh. Just like made came, up. He didn't make it up. There were markings on her body that could have been from a stun gun, but there's no proof that it's from a stun mm-hmm. gun. And he's running with it mm-hmm. and saying, no, this is for sure. And it's like, well, but it's not for sure. Because you have no concrete evidence that that's from a stun gun. So he believes that once downstairs, she was hit unconscious before being strangled to death. And that the way that the rope was tied around her neck implies that the killer looked into her eyes as she suffocated. And then they laid her dead body on her favorite blanket, which was all very personal, like a crime of passion. Mm. Definitely not something that a parent would consider to do. Give yeah. their child their favorite blanket. Yeah. December 5th, 1997. Steve Pitt, forensic psychiatrist, is brought on to the case to narrow down the focus and put pressure on the Ramses to convince for trial by grand jury. I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know either. That's why I didn't mention it. Because it's all it, it all starts to get very muddled. It does. Because like different... Detectives start coming and going. There's judges. There's juries. There's I don't I cut it all out because I don't understand any of it. I go from that December 5th, 1997, this grand jury to June 1998. Yeah. We're at some Coors Event Center. Oh, boy. Colorado trying to prove a case for felony murder, a need for the grand jury. All the facts are under review once again. Blah, blah, blah. Details that they have, including 68 suspects that they have interviewed. They're still trying to put it on Patsy due to the handwriting. Um, The fibers in the jacket that she wore that night found on the duct tape. And then finally, the date engraved on her tombstone reads December 25th, not December 26th, which leads them to believe that they knew that she was already dead. Very interesting. But why would they do that, though? I mean, Girl, how suspicious I'd... do you got to look? Also, I I did not see or hear anything about right. that. Right. That's, I'm sure, is probably for the movie. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, that feels like a big. Mm-hmm. Again, all of this circumstantial will not hold up in court. That gravestone one is wild, though. Weird. <laughs> so crazy. If you were guilty of murder, like, why would you do that? Put the actual date of death. Fucking dumbass. They think they can convince a jury that Patsy found John Bonet in bed with soiled sheets due to her constant bedwetting, which caused Patsy to get upset, hit her child in the back of the head, knocking her out, not wanting to be caught. She must have decided to cover up the actions, dragging her daughter into the basement and making it look like a murder. Other things that can't be explained, like when the vaginal bruising occurred, right? We don't have a timestamp on when that happened or for how long that it happened. Um, The pineapple in the digestive system, 
why Burke's voice may or may not have been on the 911 call at the time or what that other sound might have been. Is it another adult? Is it John? It literally sounds like Like nothing. nothing. It's so hard. And then June 25th, 1998, the Ramses are interviewed again when they start to suggest that Patsy or to Patsy that maybe Burke had something to do with it and she loses her shit yeah nope so at this point at least four different officers have either had to resign or have been fired Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of the shit going on grand jury proceedings do start for felony indictment it's in march of 1999 that lou smith and John Douglas go before the grand jury with their evidence that they believe the family is innocent. October 12, 1999, the Ramseys arrive in Boulder for their indictment. Twelve jurors leave the police escort after making their decision, and due to the lack of evidence, no charges are filed against anyone. Fucking Ending notes detail the effects of the case on everyone involved and then the multiple officers who lost their jobs and continue to be consumed by the case having never found an answer. Gross. Fantastic. It just leaves me again with such a fucking ick. Yeah, I mean, that's this, that's this whole case. Because at the end of the day, oh. no matter who did it, a six-year-old girl and faced a horrific and death. And they got away with it. Yeah. And, like, we'll never... N- What's with the fucking pineapple? <laughs> no, I don't know. I... It, it can go either way. There are things that point to it being an outsider. But I just feel like there's more the things that point to it being Patsy. an insider. Or Not- somebody in the Ramsey family. Yeah. I honestly don't think it's John. Yeah. I think it's either Patsy or it's Burke and then Patsy covering it up for Burke. Yeah. I I don't know why I don't see it, John. I I feel like I feel like if you committed a murder like that, once you got the indictment and your fucking wife died, you maybe just ride this one out. You don't keep bringing it up over and over and over and over again. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Especially with all these like advancements in dna and stuff i don't think that you keep harping on it if you got the indict or if you got away with it is indictment the right word that's not the right word if you got the um no the all clear yeah and your wife died i think you just let it go i agree but who knows like i said only two people know and one of them for sure is dead and that's john benet unfortunately so so why do you say for sure is dead we don't know that because we don't know who did it John Bonet is for sure dead. Yeah, but isn't her mom also for sure dead? But I'm saying there's only two people who for sure know, (laughs) and one of them is for sure dead. Mm -hmm. Possibly the other one's dead too. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a random intruder and it just looks as fuck. So fucking crazy. Just like you're saying with the ghostwriter for your fan fiction. Yeah. How they just came and went. Like this is just a random person in the night who just comes and goes. Yeah. Happens to find this cracked window. No one's home. Mm -hmm. Finds this little girl. Mm -hmm. But the letter, just none of it. And like 
the touch DNA, at some point they should be able to pull a Golden State killer and like put that. I don't know how it works. Can't they put that up against the Ancestry.com DNA reserve that they have and start to narrow it down? And it's clear that the Ramseys have the resources to do this kind of shit. Well, no, John says that he has spent all of his money on this. He says that he is. He claims. That he is not the millionaire he used to be. Well, I look suspicious because I'm like, mm. Mm. yeah. Well, well. Speaking of my look, your look. What's your look of the week? Wait, real quick. How many knives do you give the movie? The movie's a five. Wow, entertaining. It, it wasn't <laughs> okay, but it was but close to it. It, it, it really stuck it. to it. It nailed it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, and your look of the week. I'm torn because you know I don't like to do Repeats. the victim. Oh, the victims. The yes. victim. So like I'm like I could do a beauty pageant look. Yeah. But it feels inappropriate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good. No. And I agree. I I don't want to play like I don't want to piggyback too hard off of last episode. But like I think it would be funny if I did a pineapple filter. <laughs> the pineapple filter would be funny i also maybe like a crazed stage mom would be kind of funny how do you like how do you so i would if it were me i would like maybe tease my hair a little bit and then you're holding like like a hairbrush and like a makeup thing and you're like ah you know okay but pineapple would be funny too yeah because i i'm lost i'm like i don't know what to do that wouldn't in some way be offensive. and also if we make fun of patsy and she's innocent that's fucked up because she's also dead, dead. <laughs> so yeah i agree i mean we could do cosplay as like like how do i look like dr phil and you look like burke ramsey because that would be amazing <laughs> There aren't enough filters in the world. <laughs> I just need a bald cap. There has to be a bald filter. <sighs> All right. We'll I, I thought a, like a suspicious looking pineapple because the fucking pineapple is what sticks out to me the most. Yeah. Throughout everything in this case. When the fuck did she eat the pineapple? Why was the pineapple there? Why did they say the pineapple wasn't? That's why does Burke have fingerprints? That's it. You just hit on like, the suspicious all part. Of, all of it. How ab- does nobody, not one remember person, the fucking pineapple? Claim to not remember the pineapple, but the pineapple was on the I don't know kitchen counter yeah. wherever it was while they were actively looking for John Bonet and while they were actively. Going no hysterical and blah, 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 blah. No one. And does. no one fucking remembers the pineapple. But mm-hmm. clearly the pineapple was there. And if they knew that it had Burke's fingerprints on it and you're claiming all these neighbors or whatever were over like helping cleaning up. No one cleaned up the fucking pineapple. Right. Because if you're going to wash the bowl. Yeah. Nobody cleaned up the pineapple. And everyone, it the Bramses are acting so like much. the. I feel like the pineapple is the real smoking gun. The, here. And that's I. We got to be the pineapple. Yeah, we'll do the pineapple. Maybe I should be a smoking pineapple. Oh, yeah. I don't. That one really throws like the pineapple. It's important enough that the Ramses are acting like it doesn't exist. Yeah. And it clearly it does. It's in it, the room. Yeah. It's With, right there. It's got Burke's fingerprints on it. It's right there. And it's in John Bonet's mm-hmm. system after the time that you say that she went to bed. Yeah. 
The pineapple's the smoking gun. Mm-hmm. Kills me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It I'm with you. So mad. I feel like the pineapple is a real whoopsie doodle. Mm-hmm. It's like so small enough that they over that they never it. even thought about and it. And then once it got brought up, they no. had to oh, act what? like what? there was what? pineapple. How could eat- we remember whether we don't eat pineapple? No, no, no. It was more the attitude of like. Yeah, we pro we could have. I don't remember like who remembers eating pineapple. Like I would remember. We don't. I know we don't remember if we had pineapple or not. Like who remembers such things? And I'm like, bitch, the bowl of pineapple's right there. Oh, what yeah. are you talking about? We would fucking remember. All right. Well, tell us what you guys think. Who do y'all think did it? Mm. <laughs> this case is making. This is the angriest I've ever seen you over at Case B. It's rough when we don't have an <clears throat> ending. Mm-hmm. Who, if you had to like. Bet your house on it. Who I would wanted, you bet? I wanted to be Patsy. And also, <laughs> it helps that she's already dead because then it's like, well, just I know. But the idea of like. That it's not. And we're just shaming this poor woman. Not just that. The idea of like a child dying because their of their mother is a hard pill for me to like swallow. I, like I said, it would be super fun. The idea that it's a fucking fandom just crazed killer that's out there like ha 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 yeah I mean I could see if somebody had that big of a beef with John but all the personal details so much weird stuff and that note is real fucking weird everything came from the house every single thing so let's say that all you want to do is kidnap somebody wouldn't you bring some shit with you you're not going to show up the house and just assume that they have no. kidnapping materials. Let's, take it to an, let's say I'm. And then you have to find it all. Let's say I'm a vagrant. I, I have nothing left and I'm stumbling in the snow uh-huh. and I see this broken window and I crawl inside this basement. Without disturbing a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You think I'm going to go upstairs and search throughout the house and find a paintbrush and some nylon rope and some duct tape and her white blanket and the hand-me-downs like sure i don't care how long i'm in the house alone if this is me and this is the situation that i'm in i'm not all over this fucking house just cruising around well, finding a notepad so it's either somebody who knows them and so they, it obviously has to be someone who knows them because they mm-hmm. asked for his christmas bonus amount of money mm. they have to at least know them well to know who they are true because they could have put that there so, oh, right. We're in a, a publication or something, mm-hmm. right? But, but still, to know where... Th- My point is, is that if you're a vagrant who just stumbled upon this mansion, you're going to be going for objects. Girl, if I came here and wanted to do this to your child, I wouldn't know where to find fucking shit to tie them up with, right. where their favorite blanket is, where... Like, just all these little, like, the random notepad that Patsy just happens to always keep all of her fucking personal notes on. Like, they knew that it was Patsy's notepad, that it was her paintbrush, it was her pen, it was her shit. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And her fibers from her jacket in the duct tape. In the duct tape! Under the duct tape tape in the never That was never found. That is crazy. I wonder what happened to the duct tape. Where's the duct tape? Where's the pineapple? In her stomach. <laughs> and on the kitchen counter. Oh, man. Okay. Well, there we go. We finally... Hey, check. That was a big one to check mm-hmm. off the list. So we're done. We're good. 
Rest in peace, John Bonet. I am so sorry. Whatever happened to you? That's and I hope real that fucked your dad up. Does fucking get you justice and figure this shit out? That'd be great. I just saw a picture of him. He's looking real old. Oh. He was born in the forties, right? So the well, there's John. Bless John, his heart, and John. Listen, John Junior. My John the third. John Junior is very well spoken, very smart kid. I say kid. He's probably older than us. Yeah. A very smart man. You know, mm. maybe he'll. If it's not Patsy, maybe they'll figure it out. Yeah. But who knows? It's rough. I. It is rough. It's a hard one. Let's hope. Dead children are always rough. Let's hope that this new year is not rough. Yeah. But it's not a hard one. <laughs> it also makes you wonder if the parents or the family did do it. Like how much. We'll take race out of it. How much harder would the parents have been investigated if they would have been poor? Oh, are you, or if they would have been white trash? Immediately, it would have been like a neglect mm-hmm. and abuse. Yeah, but not a wealthy no. white family. No. They would not never. Not a good Catholic. That's family. why every fucking interview was. Oh, not this family. They would yeah. never. It's always those fucking families that they would never, because no one's ever paying attention. Amen. All right. Well, to see pictures of this week's episode, go to THC Podcast on Instagram. Like I said, let us know who you think did it. There's so many suspects to choose from. I know there's tons of suspects. I didn't there even was list. 68. <laughs> Which <laughs> one's one your favorite? Point. Yeah. Um, and we hope you guys had a great new year. We hope you had a good holiday season. We hope you enjoyed that great music from the movie. That hey, I had this we hope 2023 is off to a good start. Um, next episode... It'll be just before your birthday. It might be your birthday episode because of the way the weeks line up. All right. We've got. Because in two weeks from now, it'll be around your daughter's birthday. Mm -hmm. But then that puts your birthday in like an off week. Mine's on like a Wednesday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, next week, my next episode might be B's birthday episode. Stay tuned. How exciting. And until then, we love you and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.